genre. Franchiseography, the podcast that digs deep into the entire filmographies of Hollywood's biggest film franchises. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Jimenez. Today, we are beginning our miniseries on the Muppets franchise with their feature film debut, the 1979 musical origin story, The Muppet Movie. Uh, no guests this week because uh, I just kind of assumed we would be, <laughs> Nick and I would be talking about the Muppets for a while. Um, and, uh, I don't think there would be any, any use for uh, a guest in this, uh, this first one. Um, but also despite the songs being very memorable in this movie, um, I don't know that this is very many people's like favorite Muppet movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't like keep this off the table with the guests that I went out to and not a single one of them wanted this one. Well, um, fuck those people. <laughs> I know that's not a very Muppet thing to say. <laughs> not the goodwill that I want to maybe want to set this series, start off the series with, but, um, <laughs> Those people are those people are missing out. Yeah. <clears throat> um so the Muppets. Uh this is this is uh this is a big deal. It's a long time coming. This is one that we've wanted to do since we started this show, I think. Yeah. Um one that we've been we've been talking about doing for a really long time. Um I think the Muppets eh, mean a lot to both of us, just like as like characters as a um because i don't even think of them as like an ip i i I think of them as performers Um, right and i know that they're all being the the real performers are the puppeteers performing that performing as these characters but the characters themselves are also performers and as we'll go along you know sometimes they literally play characters i mean they're playing characters in this this is basically like the Howard Stern's private parts of the Muppets universe. Yes, good pull. <laughs> where they're playing themselves in their own biopic. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, I wonder yes. I wonder if when Howard Stern was trying to sell private parts, he used the Muppet movie as like a point of reference. I hope so. <laughs> I really do. He is kind of a Muppet in a way. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, the that Fartman character is certainly a Gonzo-esque. Right. Uh yeah. Wow, um, I don't think Gonzo would ever be that crass, but sure, you know, but that that kind very of very big and theatrical and stunty. That like spirit Gonzo that, tends to be that sort of like you know capital S showbiz that yeah Howard Stern sort of tried to emulate back when he was capable of of want of effort, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, um, but uh, uh, yeah, so uh, the Muppets, yeah. um, uh, Nick. 
you're uh you you're younger than me and so i That's true. i assume that your your sort of like muppet origin comes uh has has a has a strong basis in the muppet christmas carol but i'm curious if there's uh stuff before that um i actually found the muppet christmas carol fairly late in life um mm. i would say within the past like 10 years or so that really became part of my holiday movie diet um like i was always aware of it i knew that there was a muppet christmas carol but like i kind of didn't find it until later um my big i mean like you know i was thinking about it this morning like i can't kind of like batman or indiana jones or like jesus like i don't remember when <laughs> all all characters the muppets have probably played at one point or another. oh god i hope so <laughs> Um, <laughs> God, yeah. Has, has there is there is there a Muppet Baby skit where they did like the nativity? I don't know. Uh, definitely Indiana Jones. Um, yeah, and probably probably Batman at some point. Gonzo feels um, like he would be Batman. He's been Superman. That's a very memorable episode of okay. the Muppet Babies to me um, from from its first season. But uh, that's a, yeah. an underrated an underrated gift that you have is you are able to recall episodes of the Muppet babies from memory because they've kind of been Disney's erased a lot of them from existence. Yeah. I have them all on a hard drive in like wow. the worst quality you can imagine, the but they, I have them all. I have every episode. Um, Cause one day I'm going to watch that show with my kids. Uh, I don't care what Disney has to say about it with the forbidden sound effects. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Forbidden sound effects, forbidden uh, movie clips. Right. Um, yeah. Um, that'll be. We'll 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 probably bring up Muppet Babies a lot post like Muppets Take Manhattan. Right. That's like the time that the show actually existed. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah. but and that's kind of where they make their debut. Uh, but to go back to back to your original, I think the first Mupp. I always knew what the Muppets were. Uh, I was a big mm -hmm. Sesame Street kid growing up, so that was probably my introduction to the Muppets as a concept as mm. an idea, which they kind of are, you know, mm -hmm. like more than, like yeah. you said, like they don't really feel like an IP. They feel like a group, like the Beatles or right. You know, um, I think the first Muppet movie I ever watched was Muppet treasure Island. Oh, interesting. That's definitely the one I've watched the most. That's the one I had on video. Like I owned on video and would watch again and again and again. Um, mm -hmm. and I think that's why it's kind of almost, it's also a little bit like Saturday night live where I think your age or your exposure to the Muppets sort of has a lot to do with who you think of as like the core gang. Mm -hmm. It's why, like, I don't, I associate Gonzo with Rizzo. Yes. Because, same. because of Muppet treasure Island for me specifically. Cause like, yeah. And I think, you know, same with Muppet Christmas Carol. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, like the Muppets, it's really it's really cool. You know, kind of we talked about this with the mummy a little bit last series, how mm -hmm. the I knew what the Muppets meant to me growing up as a kid and like just identifying with it. Also, you know, uh, time of recording, uh, we, we, we just lost Paul Rubens and yeah. kind of everyone's been sort of coming out and celebrating the character of Pee Wee Herman. And mm -hmm. what that meant to a very specific kind of kid growing up 
And Mm -hmm. I think the Muppets occupied that same space where there was like a queerness and a weirdness and a somehow wearing um, earnestness and light smartassery. Yeah. At the same time, sort of a smart aleckness, not quite cynicism, but sort of a like a like you know, the, I always forget that the Muppets can be kind of like. Yeah, they can be kind of Weisenheimer sometimes like, yeah, I their their brand of cynicism is always like stating it, but then just sort of shrugging it off and like, well, oh, can't do anything about that. And just like moving on, you know, right. <laughs> like like the fork in the road joke. Yeah, like I don't believe that. <laughs> yeah, they're, we're, we're, they're like they're like, well, that's because the world is burning, and they're like, no, oh, well, anyway, all you can do <laughs> yeah. is put on a show, <laughs> you know. <laughs> or like, uh, there's that part in the not to skip around, but when they're at, when Kermit's at the El Slizo Cafe or whatever, and mm-hmm. the guy's like, uh, oh, have you tried Hare Krishna? And he's like, oh, great, it's a running gag. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> That level yeah. of like shush, sheesh, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what about you, Scott? Like, I mean, I, 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 you know, you're one of the most, along with like Spider-Man, I think <laughs> the Muppets was kind of like a really core piece of your identity as like a creative person and like a storyteller. Yeah. Um. So the Muppets were my thing mm-hmm. as a kid like um there was nothing that you know uh age uh, you know uh age like two to like you know 12 year old scott loved more than the muppets in any iteration um and that that includes like sesame street like all of these Jim Henson stuff, except for um, things like uh, Labyrinth and Dark Crystal, which I never watched. And I think I tried watching when I was a kid and found them boring um, and then watched them because they weren't funny. I mean, I guess Labyrinth was like, I guess there was supposed to be some funny stuff in that. But like, I don't know, for whatever reason, it just didn't didn't work for me. Well, because you don't do drugs, to be frank. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess that's true. Um, but then, like, you know, I even I even re uh, tried to, like, you know, watch that stuff later in life, um, like in my 20s. And I, I still don't connect to it. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know what it is about that. Those particular things, but they don't they don't do a lot for me. Um, but the Muppets. Uh, yeah. I mean, I had tons of Muppet puppets. Uh, you know, like I had like all, all of the major, um, outside of, um, like Big Bird and Snuffleupagus, I had like all the major, uh, Sesame Street, like puppets. I had like Bert and Ernie and Grover and, um, I, I guess all the major Sesame Street puppets from my era. Um, cause you know, Elmo was more my, my, uh, my brothers, yeah. uh, my the, little brothers. The pre-Elmo era. era. Yeah. I was very much the pre-Elmo era. Um, but yeah, I had those. I had, uh, you know, uh, uh, like uh, Piggy and um, Kermit uh, puppets, uh, uh, Gonzo puppets. I mean, Ralph. I think I had a Ralph as well. Um, I loved the Muppets, and I was like constantly like putting on little shows with my with my puppet Muppets, um, and. Uh, uh, and would get very like, you know, I would I would bring my brothers in on it and uh, get very frustrated with them because they would make the make them act out of character. And I'd be like, no, 
<laughs> Ralph wouldn't do that. Fozzie wouldn't say that. Respect, you know? respect the um, integrity of the characters. <laughs> yes. Stop um, making Kermit do the jerk off motion. <laughs> yeah no it wasn't even that because they oh. were like too young oh, it was okay. more just like it was more just like Fozzie would just get like really violent out of nowhere you know um wow because like you know they're like little kids yeah, and yeah, so yeah. they would just like smash stuff together you know <laughs> um and i'd be like no stop stop making uh Fozzie and miss piggy fight that that would not happen stop it even then um, you had a vision you knew <clears throat> you knew what you wanted <laughs> yeah uh yeah um, but yeah, it, it, you know, I loved the Muppets, uh, growing up. And then, um, when Muppet Babies hit, I think before Muppet Babies, it was, it was primarily Sesame Street, but like, you know, Sesame Street, I think repurposed stuff from the Muppets occasionally and would have like Muppets guest star on Sesame Street. Sure. Um, like Kermit would be like so, a news anchor or a reporter, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. So so like I knew the Muppets through that. Um, and then when Muppet Babies hit, that's when everything kicked into overdrive because like Muppet Babies was my introduction to like geek culture. Um, you know, I learned about Star Wars and Star Trek and Indiana Jones and Superman. Um, all of that I learned from watching Muppet Babies and, um, it was my favorite show as a kid. Uh, I would like race home from the, from the, uh, you know, being dropped off, um, by the bus so that I could get home to watch like the back to back episodes that Nickelodeon played at like three o'clock. Uh, every day mm-hmm. um, because I didn't want to miss them. And uh, and at a certain point, yeah, like I started taping them and watching them and um, they released a few on VHS and my mom bought those and I, I watched those over and over and over again. Um, and uh, yeah, I love the Muppets. And I think that, you know, looking back, I think what I loved about them so much was that, you know, they were creative. They were kooky little artists. And, you know, the Muppet, the adult Muppets were, you know, creative artists. And the Muppet Babies were all about, like, imagination and playing pretend and things, all things that I was really into as a kid. And so the Muppet Babies were just like, yeah, you know, that show just like really spoke to me um, and the uh, creative brain, I think, that I didn't realize that I had at the time. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's, you know, the Muppets are, are are super meaningful. I mean, to this to this day, um, Kermit the Frog as a as a character is like one of my heroes. <laughs> um, and, and it's just because like. You know, he's cool. He 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 gets anxious. He he definitely he certainly has anxiety, but he is also can be pretty cool under pressure, especially when people are counting on him. Um and that's kind of like how I live my life and how I how I the you know, I I try to be um uh the rock in any not that rock, but right. like <laughs> the the rock in a group setting uh of of um you know, trying to like make sure that everybody knows that like we're gonna get through this and we're gonna we're gonna do this and it's gonna get done, um, because that's what Kermit would do. Um, yeah. yeah, and like I don't know, you've you've created a very Muppety life, where <clears throat> you know you whether it's a Geek by Night or dueling genre or you know just your personal and those things all kind of bleed together where you've created this sort of 
found family of mm-hmm. earnest, like likable weirdos that are all different shapes and sizes that are, you know, and I think that's in particular what this movie is about is mm-hmm. somewhat accidentally Kermit creates this little tribe of strange little creatures that are all creative in their different ways and Kermit like accepts them for who they are and like they all you know look around at the end of the movie and they're like oh shit I think we're like a family yeah um, and like pr- look have each other's back in something as merciless and cutthroat and and cynicism you know something that can breed cynicism like show business in Hollywood right and they refuse to they make fun of it and throw tomatoes at it at the you know like <laughs> we'll talk about like a, a joke i did not remember as a kid when miss piggy's agent calls and she's like how much okay do it bye and like just fucking leaves Kermit. <laughs> yeah uh, uh but yeah yeah i think it's no accident that this was such like a a primordial you know a part of your of your childhood growing up yeah, yeah. Um yeah, and and, and you know, it, it's also um a thing where I like collecting people. Uh mm-hmm. much like what the plot of this movie is. Um Yeah. You know, I I like uh I like meeting people and being like, "Oh, you want to do this crazy thing too? Let's work on something together. Let's you know, um be a part of this together." And so, yeah, I I you know, and I have a I think I have a lot of loyalty in that way. Um and uh it's yeah, it all comes from the Muppets. That's it all comes from Kermit and it all comes from the Muppets. Um and and of course, you know, Jim Henson, um who is certainly uh one of my like I don't want to say like like uh you know, he's like an I he's this iconic figure. Um and you know, he's at that same level as like, you know, like a Walt Disney or like a Stanley, right? Mm-hmm. But um the difference is that no one has a bad thing to say about Jim Henson. Right. He's not like secretly an asshole. Or, yeah. I mean, he was, I mean, he was a know, person, you know, he was like, a, he, he, right. he, he existed in three dimensions and even people that loved him, like Richard Hunt or Frank Oz have like stories about fighting and fr- and friction. But like, yeah, there's no like secret dirty little like, oh, and then he, you know, then he's, you know, he was secretly a union buster, you know? Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, but yeah, he was a person, you know, he cheated on his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's, you know, he, he, uh, I don't know. It, yeah, he did stuff. I mean, you know, he was a person yeah. and he made mistakes like anybody, but he also like made sure that those mistakes, those human mistakes that he would make didn't get in the way of what he was trying to accomplish and being this sort of like, uh kind giving person just in general mm. um certainly professionally like that stuff never really seemed to affect his professional life in any way um but uh yeah it's it's uh he's a really interesting guy um that is uh i don't know if you ever read did you ever read that blacklist script that was like the um the muppet man uh, that was like a biopic for Jim Henson. No, but I, I did go through a Jim Henson phase in high school where I became I started studying like the guy, the man and, like, yeah. you know, read a couple of biographies and stuff. Yeah, but I have not read that specific script. 
Yeah, that that script it it it's really interesting because it's it's like if it weren't for the movie the the script having one of the uh, one of the greatest third acts of any biopic you've ever read. Um, the rest of the movie is li- it's literally like 70 pages or 80 pages of the most boring thing you've ever read. Oh, no. Because Jim Henson is just not he's not an interesting figure to be the protagonist of right. a film. Like there's no part where Frank Oz is like, you've changed, Jim. It's not about the Muppets. <laughs> right. Get the fuck out of here. Throws like a bottle. of scotch. Yeah. yeah. He's just so like just chill. Yeah. <laughs> that there's just never really any conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it'll be people will be like, you can't do that. And Jim will be like, I think we could. And then <laughs> he figures it out <laughs> and they do it. A you frog know, can't ride a bike. Thing. You fucking maniac. Yeah. I think we can. I think we yeah. Can. Um, but then the third act is uh, is is this incredible scene where uh, they're all they're at Jim's funeral mm-hmm. um, and, uh, you know, that very uh, that memorial yeah. that service that was like really notable. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, you can find it. It aired on television. It's on YouTube and stuff. But um, really, really sad stuff. But it, it takes place there. And then. um they start singing Rainbow Connection, which is a thing that actually happened at his memorial service. Mm-hmm. Um, and the puppeteers are like all like crying and whatever. Um, and then the the entire place fills up with every Muppet that he ever had a hand in creating. And they all sing Rainbow Connection together at his funeral. And it's like giving me chills just thinking about um, how amazing that would be like to go out on. I mean, it would just be like there wouldn't be a dry eye in the house. But unfortunately, <laughs> the 80 pages before that is just not interesting right. at all. Um, Even the Skeksis? But, does, uh, does the script say that there's a Skeksis singing Rainbow Connection? I don't remember. Um, that'd be, probably. That'd be I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, probably some Labyrinth stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, fire monkeys in any event, um, this movie mm-hmm. uh, and and, you know, this series, the thing that I really do want to focus on, like, I don't want to turn this into a, uh, uh, you know, a uh, Jim Henson biography. Um, I don't want to go through like his entire career or anything like that. I don't think that that's the purpose of this. We're like really focused on the Muppets and their films, their feature films. Um, if you want a really great uh, uh, breakdown of Jim Henson's life and career. Um, And you don't want to read one of the biographies Uh, though. If you do, I recommend the one by Brian J Jones, um, which is an amazing uh, Jim Henson biography. It's, it's literally just called Jim Henson. That's Mm -hmm. the the name of the book. Um, It's amazing. Uh, But um, if you just want to watch something, Highly, highly recommend Defunct Land's like five or six part uh, Jim Henson retrospect where they go through like each episode is focused on like one of the television shows that he worked on. Um, and it it basically takes you all the way uh, to his death. And um, it's like I think the whole thing ends up being like five hours or something like that. Um, it's an uh, unbelievable documentary and it's a YouTube video essay but it is one of the best um life of documentary like sort of retrospective like biographical um documentaries i've ever seen so highly highly recommend it you can just watch it on youtube it's free just go to defunct lands channel and you'll find it yeah kevin Um, perger or the goat yeah absolutely 
Um, so what I will start with with this, though, um, is, you know, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Jim Henson created Kermit the Frog in 1955 and um, in a very rudimentary fashion. Um, but, uh, and, and, you know, the character evolved over time. Uh, and uh, so starting in 1955, I think in commercials and things like that, um, eventually moving on to uh, creating Sesame Street in the late 60s. Um, and, uh, again, another great, a great, uh, uh, documentary is the uh, Sesame street documentary on, uh, max. Um, uh, you can, you can watch that. Mm. That was really great. The one to watch uh, for HBO. Was, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, we, we, uh, we saw, I, I think we, I watched, I, I watched that. I don't remember if you were with me when, when we watched that, uh, during Sundance. Yeah, um, I don't think I did. I think I was, just, I don't know where I was. We were in lockdown, but for, I think I, I think yeah. I missed that one. Was in my yeah. room, I guess. Uh, yeah, um, you're like, no, I'm not going to watch the Sesame. I don't, I don't need Sesame Street at a time like this. Um, <laughs> I'm doing great. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, uh, the Sesame Street documentary, um, really, really great. Uh, that's on. Uh, that's on Max. Um, yes, the one for HBO. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, creates Sesame Street. Uh, Kermit's involved in that. Um, but the thing about Jim Henson was that, like, he was really into this puppeteering thing. He had great success in it, but he was a kooky artist and always had been and wanted to be taken seriously. And unfortunately, puppets, puppetry was child's work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he tried his best with Sesame Street to. Um, you know, raise Sesame Street standards to that of like something that could be entertaining to kids and adults. But like there was only so much you could do on a public access television series that was made to be educational. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he always wanted to spread his his uh, creative wings and um, make things for adults. But it was it was very difficult to be taken seriously in that in that way. So. He tried a few things, you know, he had gathered all of these, uh, all of these puppeteers like, like, uh, Frank Oz, um, and, uh, they'd formed this sort of partnership of, of, uh, of Muppet performers and, um, they, uh, you know, due to the success of Sesame Street, uh, they were able to like make a couple of pilots and I think they did two pilots that, um, would eventually evolve and lead to, um, the Muppet Show, they were like TV specials and they were like very um, body. Uh, they were very adult. I believe and, one and was called it Sex reminded and Violence. Me a lot. Yes, Sex and Violence, exactly. They reminded me very much of um, that original Pee Wee Herman special. Yeah. Um, speaking of Pee Wee, mm-hmm. uh, that was also very body and, and wasn't quite at the right. He hadn't quite dialed into exactly the right tone yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and that was the same thing with, uh, with, with sex and violence and, um, the original, uh, Muppet show pilot, um, that I believe went unaired or was like split up and, and put into different episodes in the first season or something like that. Um, but yeah, they were, they were very body and, and, in very adult. It was a little too extreme, um, and honestly, like once the Muppet show was even greenlit, it still took them time to hone in on what exactly this was, um, and what their tone was, what the point of the show was. Uh, but eventually they found it. And by the time the second season rolled around, um, the show was a huge hit. 
and you know, Jim wanted to use the success of Sesame Street and the Muppet Show to make a movie. Uh, and he was like, well, you know, these Muppet characters are our most popular characters we've ever done. Let's make a movie featuring the Muppets. And the thing that was like the big question mark at the time from any studio that was like willing to fund this thing was like they work on a set on a stage. I don't know that they could work interacting with the real world. Um, that sounds tricky. So they shot a bunch of test footage of like the Muppets interacting with like real cows um, and, uh, and and being like behind trees and stuff like that, um, interacting with the real world in a way that uh, made sense and looked good on camera. And it was from those test uh, that test footage, which you can find, and it's all really funny stuff because yeah. none of it's scripted, so it's all just like Muppet improv stuff. Just Frank Oz um, and Jim Henson just making each other try and crack up. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and uh, and and you know, uh, it worked really well, and they got funding for uh, the Muppet movie. And so, um, halfway through the filming of the second season of the Muppet Show, or the third season third season of the Muppet show. They um, went uh, to California. The Muppet show was filmed in London. They went, they took every performer they could to London, to to, uh, California and started um, shooting the Muppet movie. And, um, you know, the one, the one concession that Jim had to make in order to uh, get this movie greenlit was agree to not direct the movie because he had very limited experience as a director. And so they wanted to bring in a firm hand um, because a lot of this movie was going to be things that were done for the very first time ever. And they were like, you can produce the movie, Jim, but we don't want you to direct it because we don't want you trying to figure out how to direct a movie while also trying to figure out all of these other problems that you're creating for yourself Mm. um, in terms of like how to make the Muppets work in a live action feature film. So um, Jim wasn't like thrilled about that, but, uh, but you know, he, he, he took the, he took the L um, and, uh, and they ended up hiring James Frowley um, who uh, Jim was, a fan of because he felt that his sensibilities were similar enough to their sensibilities because he primarily had come from shooting television. Um, he'd done a couple of movies that were like not really like hits or anything, but he was primarily known as the director of the monkeys, um, the, the TV show. And he felt Jim felt that the monkeys and the Muppets were very similar kind of um, comedic stylings. And so he thought that he would work out really well. Now, the interesting thing about James Frowley is that according to everyone I've I've read, I've read the Jim Henson biogra- biography, I've read um, a, a uh, Muppet movie um, oral history with a bunch of people involved with the Muppet movie, um, and I've read an interview with... Uh, with, with him himself, with Frowley himself, uh, before his passing in 2019, um, f- uh, you know, talking about the making of this movie. And everybody seems to agree there were a lot of problems that we had to solve, that we had to figure out. And so there was a lot of hemming and hawing and, and trying to, like, figure out problems. But it was a great time and everybody had a great time. And, um, you know, Frowley... Uh, looks back and says like this was like the peak of his career and things like that. So 
according to everyone else, this was a great set to work on and that everyone was like excited and thrilled. Um, but on, I found this quote from Wikipedia, uh, as like I was doing my initial research and, um, the actor Austin Pendleton, who I, I really like a lot, um, and he plays Max in the movie, right? Yeah. Uh, Doc, Doc Hopper's like assistant. <clears throat> and, um, he said that uh, that Frowley was miserable on this shoot. He said he was it was a very unhappy set because Jim Frowley was very, uh, very unhappy directing the movie. And I noticed that was the only time the Muppet people used an outside person to direct a Muppet movie. They never did that again. After that, it was either Jim Henson or Frank Oz. And I would have liked to have been on one of those because those sets were very harmonious. But this was not. This is the and, and this is from an AV Club interview um, where he was sort of like looking back at his career, mm-hmm. um, and he is the only person who has said this. Um, my feeling on this, my theory, and it's unfortunate that it's a part of the Wikipedia entry <laughs> uh, because it seems like, according to Wikipedia, it's like Jim Frowley hated working on this movie and was miserable and blah blah blah. Um, every other you know thing that I could find, that was not the case. What I think was happening is that uh, uh, Pendleton is a stage actor um, and had not done a lot of uh, screen acting at this point. And I don't think he understood how it worked. And I don't think he understood the difference between people being unhappy and people standing around being grumpy because they're just trying to figure out a problem. (laughs) Right. Um. That's my guess is what the miscommunication here is, because like I said, everything that I can find from Frowley is that he had a great time working on this and he and Jim had this like great, um, uh, this great sort of collaboration because Frowley knew that Jim wanted to be directing this movie, but couldn't. And so he was just sort of like, it was a situation where Jim would describe what he wanted and Frowley would be like, okay, we could accomplish this by this and this, but also maybe we could do this. And Jim would be like, that's a great idea. And it was like a team effort kind of thing is, is every other version of what happened during the making of this movie that I can find. Um, but yeah, there were a lot of problems. I mean, the opening shot of this of 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 this well, the opening shot of the movie within the movie um right. is is uh you know the the swamp scene and the swamp scene was shot on an old Gilligan's Island set um and uh filled up with water which was 4 feet deep. Um and the plan was we're going to put Jim into like this tank, um a diving bell. Uh, and we're going to we're going to build this diving bell and it's going to be, um, it, you know, and he's going to climb in there and he's going to be underwater. But he's it, there's going to be a, a pipe that he can stick his hand through and, and you know, uh, manipulate Kermit um, through uh, through the pipe. The problem was that the diving bell that they built was five feet high and the water was four feet deep. So that means that they were like, oh. So we just can't do this. And Jim was like, no, just cut 18 inches off of this diving bell and re-weld it together. And so what Jim had to sit in was something that was 10 feet wide um, and essentially like three and a half feet tall. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I don't know if you've ever like seen a, Jim Henson in real life. Yeah. Kind of a Gandalf looking fellow. Very tall yeah, and gangly. over six feet tall. Yes. Yeah. 
Yes. Um, but he crawled in there and he would be in there for four hours at a time. Um, and they would, uh, you know, an assistant would stick a straw down, down the hole where Kermit, where his hand goes for like iced tea and things like that to keep him cool and everything. Um, but yeah, he was just underwater in that tank manipulating Kermit during the rainbow connection, uh, opening sequence. Um, and, uh, there was a lot of stuff like that in this, um, you know, when they were building a set, there was usually no problem because they would they would, you know, create a set that had like places for the performers to go because they could plan it all out. Yeah. Um, but a lot of this was shot on location and the location stuff was a lot more complicated. The car scenes were a lot more complicated. Um, you know, the Studebaker uh, scene in general, there's there's, the, you know, that bit was you know, Jim and, and, and Oz were like very cramped in there. Um, and because Fozzie's driving right with both hands, yep. um, but also has to have his mouth manipulated. Right. Um, you know, Frank Oz only has two hands. Mm-hmm. So Frank Oz has one hand in one hand of Fozzie and the other one in his mouth. And then Jim Henson's son, Brian Henson, who obviously is going to come come uh, to become much more important later in this uh, miniseries, um, who is a kid. He was this gangly kid, just like his dad, um, is squeezed in between them, manipulating the other hand, the other hand. And in fact, um, I guess there is a there's a shot in the movie uh, where you can see just like a strand of his blonde hair sticking (laughs) up. Um, in between Kermit and Fozzie, because that's that was him. That's where he was. Um, but uh, yeah, um, it was a lot of stuff like that where they, you know, didn't have these problems on the Muppet Show set because they got mm-hmm. to build all of those sets. But now they had to like figure out a lot of these uh, issues of like getting the Muppets to work in the real world. Um, there was like a, I believe, a couple of sequences of green screen. Um, at one point, they were like, oh, we'll just use the green screen to do the giant animal. And and Jim Henson was like, no, I think we should make animal like 60 feet tall. <laughs> and they were like, OK. And they just did it. Um, they made a 60 foot tall animal. Um, and uh, and that's how we get that giant animal uh, in the third act of this. Incredible. Um, yeah. The only like main the only big point of contention in the movie was between Frank Oz and Jim Henson. Jim believed that in the world of the Muppets, every villain should be redeemed because the power of the Muppets um, should, uh, you know, reveal the good that was in them all along. Mm -hmm. And Frank Oz, who is much more of a cynic, was like, "Uh, no, Jim, fuck that. This guy's an asshole. Um, He's not. We should not redeem him. And and, and Jim was just like, Okay. <laughs> and so that's why Doc Hopper isn't redeemed in this. <laughs> it's uh it's it's very funny though. I mean like we'll talk about it when we get to the ending, but like it's uh I think it's played for laughs, which is why it still feels muppety. Yes. Um, yeah. And you do have the character of Max to sort of, you know, he is the he is redeemed. He sees the goodness of the Muppets. Um, yeah. So it's like they kind of get to have their cake and eat it too, somewhat. That's true. Though Max being redeemed was entirely uh, on uh, Frowley's side of things. Oh. Um, originally, he literally was just Doc uh, Doc Hopper's assistant um, mm-hmm. and had no character arc whatsoever. And when they sent it to um, when they sent the script 
to uh, uh, Pembleton, he turned it down because he was like, this is nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't I don't want to do this. Like, I don't I don't care about this. And, uh, you know, he was not like a fan of the Muppets. Like, that was not like his thing. He was a stage actor and he was having a rough time at the moment because he had had like a few back to back bad reviews. Um, and he was having trouble like getting hired. Wow. And uh, his uh, his agent was like, honey, you have to do this like you have to make this movie because like you're not getting paid any other way and he was like no i'm an artist uh, i'm not gonna do this role that is nothing and uh and frowley called him up and he was like hey man what's your problem <laughs> why you know like you're the only person who's turned down being in a muppet movie like what's your deal and he explained like yeah there's nothing for me to play here like this is this is you know, this wasn't invented uh, uh, yet um, because, uh, you know, this this interview hadn't happened yet. But um, it's like um, Sir Anthony Hopkins, uh, you know, uh, uh, NAR uh, rule of like he whenever he gets a script and he decides whether or not he wants to make it, um, he balances it between real roles and roles that he deems as NAR, no acting required. Sure. Um, and uh, and that was what this was to to Austin Pembleton, and uh, and so um, uh, Frowley was just like, okay, look, you're you're the guy that I want for this, so like, give us a couple of weeks, and I'm going to come back to you. And he's like, yeah, I'm not doing it, so like, whatever, man. Yeah. Um. And so then he left, and then he came back, and he gave him the the new script, and he was like, here, we gave you a character arc. You have to do this movie now. And Austin, who is not, you know, Austin Pembleton, who's not like a dick. He's just like very particular, right. um, was like, well, I can't. I have to do it now. He, <laughs> they literally changed the script for me. Wow. Um, so that's how he ended up in the movie. Um, so and had that character arc. So, yeah, it's funny. You said, like, they get to have their cake and eat it. And you're right. But, like, it's completely inci- like coincidental sure. that that happened. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's. They they got uh you know the other the other big thing this was a very complicated production yeah. and one of the longest productions um of the time because it uh was eighty nine days um of filming uh on a I believe eight million dollar budget um which is insane <laughs> uh and uh they what it basically amounts to is a minute of screen time per day is what they were able to accomplish um, shooting this movie. So, uh, yeah, it was just very complicated. You know, it was a lot of problem solving. And the because of their work on The Muppet Show, um, there was basically no pre-production. Um, the pre-production was just conversations that they had in between setups on The Muppet Show. And then they had, uh, they literally flew to California July 3rd, Celebrated Fourth of July the next day. Started shooting July fifth. Wow, nineteen seventy-eight. Um, so yeah, like no pre-production. I mean, it was a run and gun, and uh, and yeah. So a lot of a lot of the problems that they came up with was they had to solve on the fly, which is why I think Austin Pendleton saw it as an unhappy set. Um, where when in reality it was just like no, it was just hard, you know. Right. Um, yeah. And I think anyone who's yeah. worked in film, whether it's like, you know, no matter the degree of production or size. And I think, Scott, you can attest to this. It's like you look back and it's like toil 
and yeah. strife and compromise, but then you're like, I've never been happier in my life. Like this is yes, a hundred thousand percent. Yes, I, this is absolutely. Where I, this is where I belong. And then, but for the, <laughs> yes, but anytime you have like someone visiting the set, like a relative or like or someone who doesn't, you know, like a cameo or something, you know, a lot of times people are like, "Fuck this! I never want to work on a movie again." You're just like standing around waiting the whole time, you know? Right, right, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, uh, I think that's what's going on there. Um, I wish somebody would update the Wikipedia page. Uh, <laughs> Because well, it just makes it makes yeah, yeah. it makes it like it makes everyone look like an asshole, you know. Like mm-hmm. it makes Frowley look like a dick. It makes Jim Henson look like a dick. Like you know, it just I yeah, no it, for sure. It, 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 it's really upsetting. It's like maybe maybe get some of the quotes from when Frowley was talking about it instead of some like third person uh, account of what they believe was going on on set. Um, it's very strange totally. uh, choice. Um, but uh, anyway. Uh, that's, that's the Muppet movie came out. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was a success. It made $65 million on that $8 million budget. Wow. Um, which is a huge success in, in 1979 standards. Um, but, uh, yeah. Did it receive, the Muppet movie. did it receive any Oscar nominations for like Rainbow Connection or like, Oh, you know what? Let me see. Did it? Um, Yes. It was nominated but did not win. Got it. Uh, it only won uh, at the Grammy Awards. It won Best Album for Children. Oh. Um, and at the Saturn Awards, it won Best Fantasy Film. Everything <laughs> else it was nominated in. I guess uh, it is it did tec- not win. technically a fantasy film. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, uh, you know, uh, worth noting this was like the first time that like a meta narrative was ever in anything. Um, as like, uh, like I've looked, I've looked this up and, and I can't find anything earlier than this. That is as like fourth wall breaking and meta textual as this, like, ah, uh, don't just tell them the story, get, let them read the script, like stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Cause like, I mean, like the, when you said that the first thing that came to my mind are like, you know, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, you have like yeah. those moments where it's like, you know, nope, stop that. You know, there'll be no singing in my, in my movie, you know, or like, right. Uh, and the old, you know, speaking of Bob Hope's going to come up, we would have like the road Two movies where, yeah. you know, Bing Crosby would start singing and Bob Hope would look to the camera and be like, oh, Bing's about to sing a song, folks. Time to go get popcorn. But yeah, yeah. And then like the Blazing Saddles ending. Right. I'm working course. for Mel Brooks, which is weird because Mel-, <laughs> Mel Brooks is in this yeah. movie as well. So like that's it- true. Yeah. But that that's the thing is like, but that those were like fourth wall breaking moments. Mm-hmm. Whereas this was like, no, the Muppets are. You you are watching the movie that the Muppets made about them w- moving to Hollywood to make a movie. Right. Yeah. And you're at that premiere, but also within that movie, like, they they convince people to be a part of it by giving them the script. Like, there's yeah, yeah, so yeah. many layers. <laughs> <laughs> and And on top of all of that, I believe... The Muppets in that, like, like, ah, oh, we're watching our movie. I think that though they are also in a movie, and the real Muppets are the ones that are in are backstage at the Muppet Show. Oh, right, because like it ends with them making, putting the set together. Yeah, right. 
Yeah, no, it's 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 kind of it's almost Wes Andersony a little bit in terms of like <laughs> a little bit, yeah. The framing. Oh man, I bet I bet Wes Anderson loves the Muppets. Oh god, um, they should let him direct like a little Muppet short. Absolutely, and him, him, he even kind of resembles Kermit the Frog a little bit. You know, he does. He does in his aesthetic. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Because there's that part at the very beginning where uh, Kermit's nephew. <laughs> His nephew, Robin, yes. is, uh, yeah. is like, oh, Uncle, Uncle Kermit. Like, is this really how the Muppets met? And he goes, eh, pretty much shut up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's, it kind of just like everything else sort of is, is, is exonerated at that moment. Any kind of like, like, you know, if for some reason you're watching a Muppet movie and you're like, hey, wait a second, this kind of strains credulity. It's like, oh, well, even the Muppets themselves have said, well, this isn't really how we got together. It's just kind of yeah. r- roughly how it happened, you know? Right. Yeah, it didn't happen over the course of, like, five days, <laughs> um, you know? But basically, this is how it felt. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, and it kind, of, it, it, it kind of brings us back to what we were talking about at the very beginning, which is, like, the strange, irre-singular place in Hollywood entertainment show business that the Muppets occupy where yeah. they kind of like Pee Wee Herman or Mr. T or other, you know, they, they have one foot in fantasy and one foot in reality where yeah. like, you know, uh, I, to bring this up, I guess, anecdotally uh, about a year ago, I was in uh, North Hollywood having like dinner with friends and I was walking out, and I was crossing the street and they were filming that Disney plus Dr. Teeth and the electric mayhem. Yeah. Disney plus series. The Muppets mayhem. The Muppets mayhem. And, you know, we, we were, you know, kind of like at dinner, we're like, Oh, you know, I think they're shooting the Muppet stuff around here, blah, blah, blah. And so, um, I'm walking across the street and zoot the saxophone player for the, the band, the Muppet, the electric Dr. Teeth and the electric mayhem pokes his head out. And like, we, make eye contact and he like wow. waved at me and kind of like acknowledged me and I waved back. Oh boy. And it was like this crazy, like only in Hollywood, like fantasy and reality sort of merged for a second where I was like, I know that's a guy in a underneath in that car is a dude operating this puppet, but right. emotionally it feels like I just saw Do- Zoot, this Muppet that I've known since I was a kid. And like, we acknowledged each other because we both exist. And yeah, it's like, and he wow. looked at, it wasn't like, Oh, he's gotten kind of old, <laughs> you know, like he, he looked exactly the way that he, yeah. he does in this movie in 1979. Um, yeah. Wow. So it's, um, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I genuinely believe like if I was ever in a situation where I got to like meet Kermit, I don't know. I, I I genuinely don't know how I would react. I think my brain would just like snap. I I think I would, I I, I think I would leave this plane of existence. I'm pretty sure <laughs> you would. You um, would like Doctor Strange. You would like us. Yeah, y- yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be. I think. I think. I don't know. It would might be different if it's if it's Matt Vogel because I just I can't with Matt Vogel. Like, hey Scott, it's me Kermit. I'm your yeah, friend. It's, <laughs> 
it's too it's too much yeah. i don't i there it's uh he's uh it's just not kermit and i feel really bad and it sucks because he's been kermit for six years already did you know that no that's not six years yeah six years already of 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 matt vogel kermit the frog um 2017 uh really weird but yeah either eat like obviously jim but like yeah steve whitmire i mean is is like just as good of a kermit to me yeah for sure um yeah uh it's yeah but it's yeah it's 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 the muppets are yeah the muppets are weird because they're like real people they feel like real people um they don't they don't feel like i i know people get like really into the weeds and and nerd out about like the different muppet performers um and all of that and i i do that somewhat but not at the level of a lot of people Mm -hmm. because to me the muppets are the are the troupe they're the actors um i don't really think about the performers as much um unless the voice is so off (laughs) that it (laughs) is distracting uh like like with poor matt vogel um i really do feel bad that i don't like his kermit i really do feel bad about it oh Um, he should be better i don't like it yeah, I don't. I don't want to not like his Kermit. Yeah, um, you know, <laughs> it's just yeah. Any 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 time they're at like they're doing like at the Macy's parade or doing like a a, a, a Cisco telepresence ad, it's always yeah. yeah. It's like just so like nails on a chalkboard, and he's like, "Hey, good job, Fozzie. It's me, Kermit." I'm like, "Fuck you. <laughs> You're not real. You're not Steve." Um. <laughs> Oh, I'm glad boy. we. I'm glad we're ending the series before, you know. I mean, like you know, we're ending it with Muppets Most Wanted, I believe, right? Yeah, um, and that was kind of. I think Steve Whitmer's last performance as Kermit. Yeah, I think I. I there might have been like one other thing. Oh, he was in um, the. He's in the. He's in the ABC show that only I like. Oh yes, right, and that was the reason he got fired. Um, is because he hated working on that show because he was like no. <laughs> He was like me with my brothers. He was like, no, That's Kermit right. wouldn't do this or say this. Oh, God. Oh, and they're like, fuck you, puppet man. <laughs> <laughs> Speak the words that are in the fucking script. Oh, we want to go home. I've always wanted to do a dueling genre versus of that show uh, back when that oh, was man. a thing. But yeah, who has I would time? do it with you. Thank you. That's great. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's funny, though, like, you know. Not to keep talking about our, our our stuff, but you know when you said collecting friends earlier, yeah, you know that that's something that you you do in life is you collect people, and yeah, I'm like God, that's kind of what Geek by Night turned into, is yeah. you know we we joke about it, you know you me and Cass about like God, why is there like 18 people in this scene, and it is kind of like the Muppet movie where the underdogs kept collecting these weirdos and turning their villains, whether it was like Joel or Max or Janet or Madison into mm-hmm. allies through the power of like their goodness and charm. Yeah. To where by the end they were just like the end of the Muppet movie is just like, wow, look at these big, look at that big group of weirdos all singing together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Man. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the Muppet movie. Every, we, everything's Muppets with us. It that's, all, that's the thing that everybody needs to learn. It all comes back to Muppets, really. Yeah, it really does. Um, yeah, so it's great to finally be doing this. I mean, like, we, we've been planning this series since, like, the Star Trek era. Like, that's how long yeah, we've been. Yeah, in earnest. But I, yeah. I think it was always at, like, the top of our wish list. For sure. Um, I think from the very beginning, 
Uh, but it's also a little intimidating, just a little. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, but, I'm half uh, convinced you did ha- you did almost all of that research homework just now, just off the dome. I mean, <laughs> a lot of it was. Because yeah. I was at the grocery. I, I did at- a refresher. I certainly did a refresher. But yeah, yeah, a lot of it was like, oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I, I was at the store yesterday and I was like, oh, man, I hope Scott's not. God, we're working on this thing and that thing. And then he's got the Muppet homework. And then, uh, and then recording, I'm like, oh, no, he already... He's already been, he's been doing homework for this his whole life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, definitely. But yeah, we, uh, we began at Worldwide Studios in, mm-hmm. in Hollywood, California, where uh, mm-hmm. the Muppets are doing a private screen. I really love that the first Muppets we see in this movie are Statler and Waldorf. Um, well, technically, the first one is, I want to say, Sweetums, like pushing something in the background, like pushing. Oh, a, uh, damn. He's like he's like a he's like a teamster. <laughs> Great, yeah. Good but the him. first speaking Muppets, yes, yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. I love that Sweetums is a member of Ayatsi. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He's a union guy. I'm a union man. He's yeah. He's he's more than a Muppet. He's a union man. <laughs> oh man, that would probably kill the performer right now. But that would be great for morale to have Sweetums wearing like an Ayatsi shirt at the picket line, like waving a sign. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, uh, boy. So uh, the Muppets are all gathering for a private screening of the Muppet movie. And uh, it's pandemonium. You know, they're 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 flipping. There's popcorn flying around. And um, man, I the first like time I, I laughed out loud in this movie was uh, just Frank Oz's delivery as Kermie of, of Miss Piggy when he's like, oh, Kermie, like I, I tried giving a seat for you, but someone took it or something. <laughs> yeah, and just. Man, Frank Oz, man. I mean, yeah, yeah. I love, I love their. I mean, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about this throughout the whole series. But the 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 chemistry between Kermit and Miss Piggy is something so nuanced, weirdly, yeah, but so full of love. Um, and Fozzie and Kermit, yeah. Um, I think you know, it's it's uh, there's there's a magic to, uh, you know, Frank Oz and um. Uh, 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 yeah, Frank Oz and Jim Henson. I yeah. mean, they just they have like a they have like a magic uh, together mm-hmm. um, that's like really special. And yeah. uh, I also I, I think the first time that I laughed was just noticing that that animal was like literally chained to his chair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's sort of like he's in the band, but also he seems like he's also Dr. Teeth's pet at times. Uh huh. Like, yeah, he, he's carrying animals leash at one point. He's like, hey, Kermit, can I let animal out for a walk? He needs his exercise. Yeah, I was I was also taken aback. I was like, did they is this always been the case? And I've just been missing every reference to it. Or is this like just a one off thing in this movie? And then they decided oh, to I get think, to I think, like, I think I know what you're going to say, please not deal with it, which was that like Floyd is like dating Janice. Yeah, because Floyd's like yeah, anything for my woman. My woman gets whatever she wants. Like, oh, thank you. I'm like, whoa, what? They- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like, when? <laughs> whoa. Whoa, 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 when did they start dating? I don't remember that. We'll have to keep a tally if that is the only reference to it. Um, yeah. I mean, I kind of get the vibe. They're almost kind of like a polycule, kind of like Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. I mean, 100%. That that was how I always took it. So I was just like surprised by um, right. his, uh, his, his sort of like weird ownership claim. I was like, whoa. 
Because yeah, I mean, when I say you guys seemed a lot more chill than that. I don't. <laughs> yeah, like I don't like the idea of Janice being like passed around. But I think kind of like you know she's the Stevie Nicks. She's like the heart of the band. Yeah. Um, right. For sure. I kind of feel like Janice is sort of getting a a renaissance or a new level of appreciation the past few years. Like definitely. But you know what I'll say? And like going back to going back to um, your your queerness uh, uh, comment Mm -hmm. uh, very early on in the episode where you were just talking about like what the Muppets represent. Mm -hmm. um, I genuinely believe that because of Janice, uh, Janice. I I think like taught my like child brain that like a man performing a woman in like as a Muppet, it was like, it was like, it it was like when like I, I realized that trans people existed, I was like, Oh, okay. Like it just like, you know, something um, like, you know, we were talking about the mummy last, you know, with, with Gary in our first episode of like, I don't have words for what I'm feeling right now, but it feels right. Honest and valid. Yes, 100%. Yeah. There was just something about Janice that I feel like low key. And I, and, you know, I, 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 there was like, I think there was a little confusion for me as far as like what the, what, what Janice's gender was when I was a kid. Right. Because I was confused by the deep male, obviously a, a male doing the voice, but like, a male uh, performer doing the voice, but like she has like a deeper, like she talks down here, you know? Yeah. And, and, and then like, you know, the way that she looks like you could just as easily assume that that's just like a long haired hippie dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and she doesn't like dress f- super feminine or anything. And so like, there was like, I, I think there was just a part of me that was like, yeah, just accepting Janice for that. And I think that that Janice was like a gate, Sure. Gateway into just like accepting queer culture because that's a lot of what queer culture is of like, yeah, gender doesn't really matter. It's like, it's like, yeah, they're, just, everybody's a character. You, you know? just are who you are. You're just Gonzo yeah. or you're like Janice. Because yeah. I think it's funny because like now Janice is almost a character I appreciate more now that I live out in LA and see a bunch of Janices and know a bunch of Janices. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. she's kind of this like fun parody of like, the hippie California and like seventies LA flower child girl. Um, right. But we didn't know that when we were like four or five. Right. <laughs> um, and also kind of miss piggy, like Frank Oz is miss piggy. It's, sure. it's very like he is his, the beauty of his performance as miss piggy is he is like completely giving to into like the femininity of miss piggy and the beauty of miss piggy. And mm-hmm. she is this is like woman. And yeah. he's not doing it as like a joke or like in a Monty Python kind of like woman, you know, guy in a dress kind of way. And right. I think that's why so many people of of any of any gender in adulthood would like look at Miss Piggy as like a style icon or like right. a, a role model growing up of like finding yourself beautiful no matter what your shape is or what your you know, what you look like. Right. Um, but also would like drop his voice. You know, mm, to like yeah. to like break character for a second. Look, you know? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, but and, and also, yeah, like, but also, like Miss Piggy is like very camp, um, right? Which yeah. is which is like you know obviously queer. So yeah, it's just it's it's the the Muppets are very queer, and it's um it's the best thing. It's just it's because they're so camp and they're so over the top that it allows them to do anything, and there's so, that's sort of like. 
I mean, that's like queer in a nutshell, right? It's just like, yeah, you're like, whatever. Like, it's yeah. whatever. Everything is whatever. Because you, you know, also just have like... Be yourself. Because it can be anything. You also have like Muppets right. like Rolf, who so very rarely go reach that level of manic that like Animal or Miss Piggy do. And yeah, like some people identify with that spectrum. Like, yeah, I it's funny, like alone, I, I very spiritually identify with Rolf and just kind of his aura and his nature. Um, sure. But I think like I often think of myself as like the Fozzie to your Kermit. Like mm. I, I see that, but I definitely in the same way that I am a Kermit and a in a scooter. Right. I think yeah. like that. That is my. But that's my Muppet merging point is mm-hmm. is I'm somewhere between a Kermit and a Scooter. I do think your Muppet merging point is is between a Fozzie, Fozzie and a Ralph. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, just and, kind of uh, like I can. We're, yeah. We're just we're now we're just opening up the floodgates on on the discord where like everyone is just going to be like. Like, <laughs> trying to figure out every every dueling genre hosts like Muppet, Muppet combo. Absolutely. Who's Gary? Like yeah. Gary kind of yeah. seems like a, a like a scooter, but also kind of like a Robin. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the movie <laughs> Ripley's Ripley's a gonzo. Yeah. Ripley's sure. definitely a gonzo. Uh, <laughs> I <laughs> um, Oh, but I, I do want to I do want to um, um, uh, go back to. Um, what you said though about about like the Monty Python thing and yeah, like for the, sure. the men in dresses and like ah that's funny mm-hmm. men in drag hilarious um and it's so interesting that you brought that up because i was thinking in terms of like inspirations and stuff and how like the the muppets really like have inspired us creatively uh-huh. um but like i watched that um documentary about uh the kids in the hall really really great yeah documentary right. mm-hmm. um and i grew up watching the kids in the hall um as well and i think that that had a lot to do with also my uh my my uh you know young brain being like very open to to lgbtq and everything was because they were that way and so like they talk about how like yeah they were a group they were a male comedy troupe sketch troupe Mm -hmm. and so anytime there was a female character in the show one of them played the female character and it was just the thing but they didn't treat the female characters as as like um, any more of like caricatures. They weren't caricatures because they were women. They were caricatures because they're a sketch show and they were doing a character. But mm-hmm. like they treated them with all the dignity of the of any of the men male characters that they did. And they talked about that a lot. And they brought up um, Monty Python and about how like they were inspired. There's like a straight line from Monty Python to them. Sure. And I'm like, I wonder if you ask them outside of the context of a documentary. If we were to ask them, do you think the Muppets inspired you at all in that same fashion? Sure. Because you're right. I do think the Monty Python is much more of like the joke. A lot of the jokes are this is a man in drag. How funny. A man in a dress. How hilarious is this? Oh, no. Um, I've fallen. You know, that kind of era title. Yeah. Totally, totally. Whereas Kids in the Hall was never that. Kids in the Hall was just like they were playing a, a, a mother or a wife or whatever. Yeah. And it was it just was what it was. And so it was so interesting to me in the documentary when they were like, yeah, this is because of Monty Python. And I'm like, I I bet it's because of the Muppets. Like sure, yeah. more so. And you just don't want to admit that. And, and you know, comedy uh, like look down at you or something, you know. Definitely. But, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Nick Kroll, I think, is sort of the next phase of that i think about how 
he was really good at back in Kroll show of the joke wasn't that he was just like playing a lady. It was like very, he was playing very specific characters, but they just happened to, they were like, they were like, I noticed this about like this kind of girl, this kind of person, you know? Yeah. Um, I wonder if Nick Kroll's ever done stuff with the Muppets. No. It feels like maybe maybe he's in one of maybe he's in Muppets Most Wanted and we've just forgotten. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, oh my gosh. I mean, watching this movie for the first time and I don't know how long it yeah. I was like I was I kind of felt like I was in 1979. But I was like, "Wow, Elliot Gould." <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was the one I got the most excited for yeah. too. That and Steve Martin, obviously. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But we'll we'll get into 33-year-old Steve Martin. Crazy. Yeah, the hair wasn't quite gray yet. It was getting yeah. there. I mean, it was getting there. Yeah. Uh, it was salt and pepper already by like the time he turned 30. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was like 28 when he got his first gray hair or something yeah. like that. Uh, Have you ever born standing but, up? Uh, no. It's a good book. Yeah, I've he, heard that. He worked at the that. magic shop at Disneyland. Oh, yeah. I did know that. I did know that. Man. Anyway, Steve Martin. What we'll life. talk about him yeah, later, I'm sure. sure. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, most magical, beautiful film opening of all time as uh I mean, you know, something unlocks. I think anytime we shift from the beautiful kind of overture score into the opening banjo strums of Rainbow Connection. Um, yeah. And it's so fun now. I mean, after what you would, you know, because there's something so as the camera zooms in and we see Kermit just on his little log, just strumming his banjo, singing Rainbow Connection. And it's so peaceful and magical and effortless knowing that Jim Henson is like in a diving bell cramped in agony. <laughs> yes. Just like underneath. It's kind of a metaphor for the yeah. whole movie because it's like this movie is like a magic trick. Yeah. On a level yeah, that you don't absolutely. even ap- appreciate because while you're watching it, I mean, I watched it a couple hours ago and I wasn't thinking about the performers at all and how intricate and elaborate it must have been for like even like little minor stuff. I was like, oh, look at Fozzie. You look at. Dr. Teeth, look at Rolf, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, which is probably the biggest compliment you could have ever given the the puppeteers. You oh, know? for sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about Paul Williams. Please. Um, yeah. And, and uh, you know, um, Paul Williams and, and Kenneth Asher uh, did the music and lyrics for the Muppet movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul Williams had worked with uh, Jim Henson on the Otter Band special. Right. Um that had uh, that had come out uh, before this. And um, when he went to Paul Williams and was like, hey, we're going to make a Muppet movie. Do you want to write the music? Here's the script and where we think the music would be. And, and you know, they we, we they discussed the script and rework some stuff and, and whatever. Um, and then uh, and then Paul Williams was like, yeah, OK, great. I, I definitely want to do this. Um, you know, Jim, uh, I will. I know how much this means to you. I know how much you want to you know, uh, make this movie and, 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 you know, make it really good. So like, you know, as I'm working on these songs, I'll, I'll send you demos and, and, you know, you can work with me on, on it and everything. And Jim was like, no, that's okay. I'll just hear him when, when we're in the studio. And he was like, you don't, you don't want to hear me do any of these. He's like, no, you're Paul Williams. <laughs> I, I trust you. Like I, I hired you because you're great. And Paul Williams says that in that moment, that's what he realized was like, Jim Henson's like magic, which was that he had confidence in he had enough confidence in himself to know that he's picking the right person to do the job. And he had enough confidence in that person to turn out 
the best work that they've ever done. And the reason that those people are doing the best work that they've ever done is because Jim Henson would give them complete creative control and, and, and just trust that they would get it done. And so then they would be desperate to like, be like, Oh God, like, like I, I, now I have to like, you know, give him the best thing ever. Um, and, uh, and he was like, and that, that magic that Jim Hansen had, and you know, he calls it magic because he was like, he'd never experienced anything like that before. And it was just so second nature to Jim that of course, this is how this should work. Um, that it felt like magic. And he was like, that magic led to, um, him writing rainbow connection which to this day he um i i i should check if paul, if paul williams is still with us right did he a uh, time of recording time of recording he is still with us yeah okay okay good 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 thank god um uh knock on knock on wood uh paul williams um yeah to this day he he believes that rainbow connection is the best song that he's ever written um period across the board and uh i also feel that Paul Williams as a as a songwriter, it doesn't matter what he's working on, um, and I don't know how much he would like this, but no matter what he has written, if I hear a Paul Williams song, I'm like, did the Muppets do this? Like that's sure, yeah, because because everything that Paul Williams does feels like the Muppets. Like this is what the Muppets sound like when they sing songs. Is I mean, Paul Williams songs? And again, I, meaning the, uh, meaning this as a compliment because I I get this as well. Uh, he 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 looks like a Muppet. Yeah, totally. Uh, totally. Paul Williams is another one of those guys where, like, the first time I saw Paul Williams, he was in animated form in that episode of Dexter's Laboratory. Oh. And I just yeah. thought that was, like, a character. And then years later, I saw him in, like, a music video or a documentary, and I'm like, oh, wait, that's a real guy? Yeah. I, I'm trying to remember what what I first saw Paul Williams in, but yeah, he is, he is such a, he's such a specific look. Um, That's actually kind of like, please. And like, and started out as like a, you know, started out so young. Right. He was a child actor in like the Mm sixties. So yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's pretty crazy. Um, It might've been, Phantom of the it was either the first thing I saw him in was either Phantom of the Paradise, um, which I watched a lot as a kid. Weirdly, I don't know that that was I don't know what that did to my brain, (laughs) Um, but but I think I watched a lot of Phantom of the Paradise as a kid. I need to rewatch it because I literally I don't think I've seen it in probably 30 years. I Um, just watched it for the first time like a year or two ago at the New Bev. Oh, yeah. 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 I I thought about going to that to be honest, and I don't like the new Bev, but yeah, sure. I was like, I kind of want to just like <laughs> what's this ruminate in Paradise, mm, uh, Phantom yeah. of the Paradise, and get all of these like weird kid memories to resurface. Why um, is this why I'm the way that I am? Yeah, it was either that or it might have been Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Mm, um, yeah, uh, because uh, yeah, um, you know he's he's in that and uh, pretty pretty memorable um, in that. <laughs> Yeah, I I can't really think, uh, but but I think all of that said, I believe the very first thing that I ever I didn't know that was Paul Williams at the time, but probably the first thing I ever heard him in ever was the Penguin in Batman the Animated. That's series. true. God, what a career! Yeah, um, he's uh he's he's a dude. He's a guy. He's a, he he's really a is. He's in my favorite Daft Punk song. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh man, Paul Williams, so uh, legend, absolute legend, absolute stone cold legend. And yeah, this song rips. It's uh, it's so magical. It's always more philosophical and weird than you remember it being when you really listen to the lyrics. Yeah, um, it just feels. Neither of us were around for the actual seventies, but it just feels like the seventies. It does that kind of sunny um, AM radio vibe. Yeah, it's also like as a as as like a, a you know a, a song to like start this movie on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. Uh, the idea of of like the rainbow connection right and this being a road movie where he is making connections with all of these muppets over the journey of this movie where he's going from point a to point b and then that resulting in them in the re- reprieve of rainbow connection as the rainbow literally hits the group yeah it's kind of beautiful. It really is. Um, yeah. uh, 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 you know, like, and, and, and I feel like people don't talk about that enough about like, like the meaning of Rainbow Connection mm. um, to this movie and the plot of this movie and how it connects everything. Literally. Um, it, it's, it's, it's like, what a, what a goddamn song. Right. Uh, what a goddamn opening number. And, you know, um, also to go back to, you know, the Muppets as a queer allegory, you know, the, yeah. the concept of like found family of people who are kind of maybe out of place in the place where they come from, but finding this, finding their people and then creating a rainbow connection where they can like be themselves and, you know, be with each other and be part of a unit, but also themselves is, you know, yeah, like it's, it's beautiful. Yeah. I Uh, just want to, I want to read this, uh, this quote um, from Paul Williams about the song. Um, He says, it's the one that established Kermit as the lead character. We find Kermit sitting in the middle of the swamp. Uh, Kenny Asher and I sat down to write these songs and we thought Kermit is like an every frog. He's the Jimmy Stewart of frogs. So how do we show that he's a thinking frog, that he has an introspective soul and all that good stuff? We looked at his environment. His environment is water and air and light. And it just seemed like it would be a place where he would see a rainbow. But we also wanted to show that he would be on the spiritual path, examining life and the meaning of life. This is a fucking Muppet movie. (laughs) Exactly. And I just, he just writes this fucking beautiful song <laughs> about like light and air and water. And, but what's great is like that is kind of the magic of Kermit and the Muppets is they have that spectrum. Like, I love SpongeBob, but like SpongeBob could never exist on that frequency of like Kermit is a character that you can buy and accept being that philosophical and introspective because of like his innate gentleness and his yeah there's just like equality about him that you can picture him like on that log you know wondering about like is this the is this the song that calls the young sailors you know yeah yeah and it's 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 just a song about like how i i mean literally the song is about how you have to be a little crazy to make it like Ultimately, right. that is what the song is about, and you have to find other crazy people mm-hmm. um, who also want who also want to make it and believe that there's more to a rainbow than an illusion. Right. Um, and 
like yeah it's it's yeah. this beautiful incredible song about what it takes to like you know make it in hollywood without saying that without sure. you know talking about that but like you know it's all through metaphor but that is that is what the point of the song is like, is like kermit just being like alone and just wondering like am know, I will alone? i ever f- yeah am i alone like am i really alone or is there a way out of this you know swamp and and to do the thing that i've always dreamed of doing which is be a performer um but in order to do that like i would have to find other people like me and that's what the whole movie's about um crazy god damn it <laughs> yeah <laughs> rainbow connection it's, um uh, yeah so he's singing rainbow connection dom deloise arrives on a boat um did you have a weird connection to dom deloise as a kid <laughs> oh, like i did of course well what kid didn't what the fuck? What was it with us? What was it with our generation and Dom DeLuise, this like comedian from the 70s that meant so much to us as a kids? I mean, for me, I think I think my 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 gateway to Dom DeLuise as a concept was, you know, he was itchy in All Dogs Go to Heaven. Right. And Fightful. Uh, he was in Fightful. Yeah. He was the cat. Tiger. Fightful. Tiger. Right. Uh, the saddest fucking children's film ever created. Yeah. Um, and I think um, he has. A- I, that's, I think that's why I watched. I watched Fightful Goes West a lot. Oh more. my god! Yeah, the vibe shift is crazy. When yeah, I um, too. Speaking of Jimmy Stewart, <laughs> Jimmy Stewart, absolutely his final performance. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I remember I would watch Fightful Goes West all the time, and then like, oh, American Tales on. Oh my god! <laughs> yes. <laughs> What the? Fuck? I, I was like, <laughs> it was like Steven Spielberg, buddy. Like, just go make Schindler's List. Don't do this to us. <laughs> this is our. This is our story. <laughs> this is how the Spielbergs came to America. Oh, it was hard. Yeah. It was lonely. Um, <laughs> but I, I kind of have a theory that I formulated. That we, we can start with Dom DeLuise. Um, and again, like I was not alive for any like zero percent of the seventies, but I think celebrities and actors were better then because they were allowed to look like Dom DeLuise, yeah, and Elliot Gould and Carol Kane and Madeline Kahn, and like there was a you could be a singular weirdo and still be like accepted and celebrated as like a big huge star. Right. And but but and that's because you didn't have to worry about being successful overseas like you do now. Right. And like is this, you know, like can Dom DeLuise sell cereal boxes in like Japan or China or whatever the right. fuck? I mean, those are real yeah. valid places that are thousands of years old. But, you know, in in the spectrum of, like, show business or whatever. Because, like, I guess, right. like, you know, celebrity Hollywood cameos, there is part of them up, the Muppets as singing and dancing. But, like, right. by the time we get to, like, the 2010s, you know, I don't know. Maybe this is, like, you know, my bias is, like, everyone has abs and everyone's really pretty. And, mm-hmm. like... You know, I don't know. They just don't make famous people like they used to. And that's what I kept thinking about watching this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, things were cheaper and things right. only yeah. needed to be a success domestically. And, you know, it, it was just a very different time. Yeah, and um, I think that's why it was such a creative resurgence. I I genuinely believe if another studio like like A24, but maybe like 
maybe less weird mm-hmm. and artsy than A24. Something that's a little more crowd-pleasing came along, another studio that was like, hey, we're going to release our stuff internationally, but it'll probably just be VOD, and we're not going to really worry about it. We're not going to worry about theatrical release over there. We're going to keep all of our budgets under 50 mil, and we're just going to make stuff to release domestically for American audiences um, and at best like Canadian audiences mm-hmm. and maybe like England, right? Like English speaking sure. audiences and just make movies under 50 mil, not have to worry about it. I feel like we would get a resurgence of a lot more like weirdo performers again um, because they wouldn't need to be in a Marvel movie to like sell stuff overseas, you yeah. know, sell, yeah. sell a movie overseas anymore. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, what a, what a world that would be. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So Dom DeLuise is uh, inexplicably just in the swamp, and uh, he he's on vacation. He's an agent from Hollywood. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he meets Kermit, uh, and uh, I love I love I love when Kermit gets to be a little Weisenheimer. <laughs> yes. Uh, read my lips, alligators. My favorite joke in this is that that Dom DeLuise's agent character has a copy the a copy of the latest issue of Variety in his boat. In his boat, um. yeah. <laughs> uh, and he shows Kermit, "Hey, there's a big audition for Frogs coming up. You should go to that and take advantage of it. You can make millions of people happy." And Kermit's like, "Millions of people happy, you know." And that's 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 yeah. like his call to action. It's like, "Oh, a chance to make people happy." Um, and we just heard Rainbow Connection, so we know that this is a frog of deeper stuff than the alligators and lily pads around him. You know, he yeah. he yearns, he wants. So yeah. uh, he hops on a bike in one of those magical things ever put to film. Uh, yeah, this was the second time that the uh, they put Kermit on a bike. Really. Um, yeah, he was he was on a bike, I believe, in the Otter special, oh. um, and uh, that was the first time they had done it. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's you know it's always incredible every time it happens. But it's it's very simple. They've just turned Kermit into a marionette. Uh, oh. That's how that's how the trick works. Uh, they're on a crane, mm-hmm. um, and the both the the bicycle and Kermit are on marionette strings, and they. They uh, they just marionette uh, Kermit and the strings don't show up on uh, film because uh, this was shot on real film and not uh, <laughs> not crazy, uh, uh, you know, uh, yeah, whatever, def. like 60K yeah. ultra high definition <laughs> that they shoot stuff on uh, digital now. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, that was it. It's, it's very simple. They just turned the puppet into a marionette. Amazing. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing hits like yeah. a full body Muppet. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, it's it. Can, well, there there's a moment later that I'm like, ah, this makes me slightly un- uncomfortable. Oh, um, I think I know what you mean, but yeah, we'll we'll get. Yeah, that. <laughs> uh, but this is great. Yeah. I love I love Kermit on a bike, even though he is incapable of steering the bike. Apparently, yeah, yeah. So he he uh, he drives past a billboard advertising Doc Hopper's uh, fried chicken fried frog legs or deep fried French fried frog legs, I should say. Uh, yeah, and his bike gets decimated by a steamroller. Yeah. It's like good thing I'm a frog, or that would have been bad. I would have been gone with the Schwinn. Ah, uh, yep, Kermit. Are you ever had frog legs, Scott? Yes, pretty I good. Have. Long time ago, uh, when I was a kid, um, there was like a there was like a seafood restaurant yeah. uh, that we would go to sometimes in Florida. 
that had them. Did you cry um, like that name of Keanu Reeves? No. Um, no, I just ate them. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. They're, they're, they were fine. I mean, they just, you know, they're like chicken adjacent, but not as good as chicken. So yeah, kind of slimy. I'm like, well, what then what's the point? Um, you know, the point is a frog yeah, died. Yeah, they just taste like a drumstick. I remember my grandpa being like, look, they look like ladies', ladies legs, and then he would like make them dance and stuff. <laughs> hey, um, Scott, look. <laughs> I'm just weeping. No. <laughs> it's like your little fucking friend from the movie. Uh, so uh, Kermit needs to uh, wet his whistle. He stops at the El Slizo Cafe. Uh, who is it that get launched, gets launched through the window? Is that John Houston? Who is that? Uh, I don't know who... Wait, gets launched through the window? He's like, that's the biggest, you know, the scummiest dive in the whole world. Oh, yeah, that's that's James Coburn. James Coburn, okay. From yeah. the Wild Bunch? Um, he was he was, uh, he was like a TV actor um, at the time. And, uh, well, yeah, and he was in some movies, too. Like, uh, uh, Magnificent Seven. God, Magnificent uh, Great Seven. Escape. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Our Man Flint. Got it. Um... Stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, he was like a cowboy guy. That's so funny. Someday people are going to do this about. Um, they're going to be like, who's that guy? Who's that guy in uh, in Red Notice? Like, that's Ryan Reynolds. He was a film actor. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I guess. Yeah, I guess this was like he did some TV stuff early in his career, but like he he mostly stuck to movies. Yeah, he was a Western. Um, man. That's my mistake. Um, for some reason, I thought he was a uh, like a like a TV western guy, but he's a he was a movie western like Rick guy. Dalton. Yeah, uh, another another kind of muppety kind of guy that exists somewhere between reality. I mean, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if Rick Dalton is literally based on James Coburn. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it would be surprised if in 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 Quentin Tarantino's weird thousand page biography of Rick Dalton, Rick Dalton like performed with the Muppets. I mean, probably right. That yeah. probably happened. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I'm surprised that he didn't like Forrest Gump him into the Muppet movie like he did with The Great Escape. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, my God. Yeah. And that, yeah, there's probably like a yeah. five hour cut where he's like, now, Fozzie? I don't know. Uh, I'll ask yeah. him. <laughs> so, speaking of Fozzie, Fozzie is uh, a performer at the El Slizo Cafe performing, uh, you know, horrible vaudeville and stand up. Uh, love seeing Madeline Kahn. Love seeing Carol Kane. Mm-hmm. Uh, love seeing Telly, Telly Savalas. Yes. Yeah. Who loves you, baby? <laughs> Who loves you, baby? And uh, <laughs> Paul Williams himself played as the old timey piano player. Yeah. Um, he was so excited to be in this. Oh, uh, cool. When, yeah. When he got the when he got the call that he was going to be in the movie, he was like, he was like, what? No. And like he was like, he was like, are you what is this a joke? And they're like, no, we want you to play the piano player. And he was like, ah, like he was like really excited oh, to be man. in this. Bless. Yeah. Uh, Fozzie, you know, there's, I think at the best, at best, the Muppets always need to have just a, a, a sprinkling, a, a seasoning of sadness, mm-hmm. of melancholy. And Fozzie is yeah. kind of a very sad creature where he is, he just wants to be funny. He just wants to entertain, but by his creature, by his nature, he is doomed to be unfunny. Yeah. To be bad <laughs> at it. Yes. Uh, like Sisyphus himself. Yes. Like Sisyphus <laughs> pushing the rock, doomed to fail at the thing he is created been created for. 
Um, yeah, um, definitely. Because I, I, I think the whole thing with the Muppets is that they're they're okay with failure. Like yeah. that is part of their they're like ah it's just part of the process you know um i I, you know they have like such a healthy outlook on on uh on uh on failure and and whatnot um i think it's part of the problem that people have with the the 2011 muppets movie Mm -hmm. um you know one of the one of the big issues that that um longtime muppets muppet fans have with that movie and um, and that uh, uh, that Steve um, had with that movie sure. and, and with everything in the 2010s that was going on with the Muppets and, and what ultimately left to him with him leaving uh, Kermit behind, um, not by choice, was that they had given up. And and that was like that was like the point of the movie is that the Muppets had given up. And that was like what the whole plot hinged on. And longtime fans of the Muppets and I love that movie I, I genuinely do but yeah the Muppets don't give up that's right their whole thing um <laughs> is that they don't give up they don't they don't do that uh they they, they uh, absorb their failure they learn from it and then they try again or sometimes they don't learn from it they just keep trying right um yeah in the case of Fozzie you know and like there's this heartbreaking moment where he's like you know they're booing him and throwing cabbage at him and he's like ah oh, come on I try really hard and you're like, oh. <laughs> and uh, another thing I really love that is kind of unremarked upon going back to like this being like a, you know, a metaphor or, or, you know, for people collecting people and finding friendship is the fact that Fozzie isn't talented, that he isn't funny, never seems to affect Kermit's acceptance of him at all. You know? Yeah. Because like. There's this sort of thing out here, or maybe, you know, I'm, I'm sure this isn't just exclusive to L.A., but just being creative in general of like, what can you do for me? You know, yeah. Oh, I should stick right. with this person because they seem talented. And if I stick with them, maybe they can throw me a bone or get me a leg up or whatever. But like right. Kermit, just on a molecular level, just immediately senses a kindred spirit in Fozzie. And the first thing he does is he stands up and he goes, hey, let's try dancing. And they do a dance act and they hate that, too. It's not like they're able (laughs) to win the crowd over. Right. But that's the part that makes me uncomfortable. Um, Not so much Kermit. Oh, full body, full body Fozzie. Yeah. Not. Yeah. It's full body Fozzie that makes you really uncomfortable because I I, I think the problem is that he's like kind of like squished in the middle. Yeah. Like it, it, it just he doesn't look. He's, he's not like fully upright. However, they do it. Yeah, he's always um, kind of hunched over. He has bad posture. Yeah, and it, it, it just it's it's tough to look at. I don't know. <laughs> it makes uh, me deeply uncomfortable. <laughs> I love I love seeing them being thrown about by the bar, just like yeah. just lifeless Muppets being like trampled it, and torn apart. Yeah, is it just me or or didn't during the Henson era mm-hmm. of the Muppets? Were they more comfortable with treating them as puppets when, like, if if it works for the moment and for the joke? Yeah. Whereas now, I feel like they're a little more precious with them, mm-hmm. and they don't they don't ever treat them as puppets. You know, uh, Henson himself was sort of infamous for. I think it was Frank Oz found this very alarming and insulting, and he hated whenever Henson would do this. But they would be performing live, and a kid would be like. Is the puppet real? And hence, be like, no, you idiot. Look, see, look, you turn him around and you, I put his hand up his butt and blah, blah, blah. And look, it's me, Kermit the Frog. And Frank Oz would be like, you're ruining the illusion. 
Like <laughs> you're making them all aware that they're, he's not a, he's not a real frog. He's a puppet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is you would think that he of all people would be like sacred about that. But yeah, I think they were kind of like, no, throw them around. It's not, it's not, they're not real. It's just yeah. a, a frog. I, I like, I like that. Like, yeah. I, I, I like that, you know, and then you get the joke of like, uh, of, of Conrad being like, uh, you know, are you proud of me for doing my own stunts? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is, which is great. Um, because they're just throwing a puppet around a room. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I like that. And, you know, in Jim's defense, I think his belief was like, no, 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 it's just a puppet. But the magic is if I can show them how the puppet works and then have them still talk directly to Kermit. Like, yeah, that's the, yeah, that's the juice. That's, that's the juice. That's yeah. the magic. Um, they know that it's a puppet, but they can't help but be like, oh, but Kermit's real. Right. Right. It's like that moment where I like waved at Zoot. Like it didn't, I wasn't like waving at the guy right. under the car. I was like looking at the, the puppet, the, the thing that was coming right. to life. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, that's, uh, that's the juice. That's the magic. Or, and, uh, or, or like, yeah. you, you know, you watch those behind the scenes stuff of like celebrities on Sesame Street or whatever. And they, they're like riffing with the Muppet and like talking to the Muppet yeah. like it's real. They're not like looking at the dude underneath them, you know? Right. Um, right. So Fozzie or that little, or, or the, the, my favorite, maybe my favorite moment in, in any, any Muppet, anything is, is the moment uh, on Sesame street where Kermit the frog is talking to the little girl and they're trying to like do the alphabet Mm -hmm. and she keeps interrupting by saying cookie monster, yeah, which is not planned. She's just being a little goofball, little girl. And Kermit just has to react to it, you know? Um, yeah, as Kermit. And it's, yeah, it's the best. And the little girl is just, she's just fucking around with Kermit. Like, she's like, yeah, this is funny, right? Like, like Kermit, me and Kermit, we're having a good time. I'm giving him a hard time. It's the best. <laughs> and it's, it's amazing. It's yeah. magic. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So uh, Kermit and Fozzie decide to embark on their journey together. Fozzie uh, is lending, has, has been lent his uncle Studebaker while he's hibernating. And uh, they make their way down the open road. And seeing uh, the second classic from the soundtrack, Moving Right Along. Yep. Uh, we get uh, some great lines in the song. Ah, bear in his natural habitat, a Studebaker. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, turn left at the fork in the road. Um, yep. But uh, actually, but, but you know, for plot purposes, right before Moving Right Along, they uh, meet Doc Hopper. And Doc yeah. Hopper makes his proposition to Kermit. Like, hey... Uh, be my, you know, Jack in the Box. Be my, you know, where's the beef mascot lady, and help me sell my, <laughs> my Ronald McDonald, my Ronald McDonald, and help me sell my French fried frog legs. And Kermit's like, "Are you fucking kidding me? No. <laughs> what kind of monster would I be <laughs> if I did that for you? Think about that for a second. Just really think yeah. about it. What kind of traitor? What kind of Judas would I be to my own my own species?" Yeah. Also, there's that moment where where uh, Doc Hopper is like looking with binoculars at Kermit's legs when he's dancing. In the <laughs> yeah. Club. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, wait. So, do you want him to be your his, your mascot, or do you just want to specifically eat his legs, fry his um, frog legs? Yeah. Because uh, that, if that's the case, that makes him even worse than like Cruella Deville. Because at least Cru- like Cruella was like 
wanting a coat that she would like wear presumably for like a long time at least until it went out of fashion Mm -hmm. he's just like yeah no i just want to eat his legs and then never think about it again i want to eat those frog legs so bad (laughs) yeah uh i like doc hopper i think he's one of the better muppet villains that exist that's interesting i don't i don't um i don't have strong feelings about doc hopper i don't i'm not um I don't know. Like, I it, it's the part of this movie that I'm like, okay. I mean, I guess we need, we need some conflict here and there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but but in general, I'm just much more interested in like I'm much more invested in them just getting to Hollywood. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, he's not like my favorite yeah. part of the movie. I just I just like I don't know. It's it, it, it's a it's a it's a it's a solid concept. <laughs> sure. Yeah. He kind of reminds me of Doug Dimmadome. Yeah. Owner of the Dimsdale. Um, I think my only plus up would be uh, to get the guy who played the mayor in Jaws. Um, Ooh, yeah. It, <laughs> instead to play Doc Hopper. <laughs> or uh, or uh, Smokey. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah. So um, they make their way to a church where uh, Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem are uh, trying to convert the church into a coffee shop. And uh, I love. I always forget that Scooter is technically in this movie their manager. Yes. Yeah, it's great. yeah. Scooter, super it's, underrated. I Muppet. wonder. It, I assume Scooter's not in Muppets Mayhem. Um, I don't know. I was wondering that. I haven't seen Muppets Mayhem. Uh, no, nah, neither. Right, as Lily singing it. Why would I? Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I haven't. I haven't had a chance to watch it. I'm. I'm. I. I don't trust it. <laughs> is where I'm at. <laughs> You haven't that's, been that's a, my thing. Yeah, you haven't been a fan of the yeah. Disney Plus era of of Muppet content. To be fair, no, no, I have not. Mm. Um, yeah, I uh, uh, so they do anyway. th- they do that uh, the script the script joke that we talked about earlier, where they catch right the catch up on the story, and then uh, I love I love can you picture that? It's a great song. It is a really good song. Yeah, um, I don't know that there's a dud in this movie. I mean, there's there's songs that like I don't think about a lot, right? Like the Miss Piggy like, ballad, it, right? But in the moment, I'm like, yeah, this rips. This is good, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they're really good at kind of capturing that like psychedelic '70s, like nonsense lyrics, like I am the walrus kind of vibe. Um, mm-hmm. My favorite, yeah, I, I love Doctor Teeth and the Electric Mayhem. I did love that they exist as a band, like they actually make bangers you know or like yeah anytime i watch the muppet show and they give them like a performance they just sound fucking great you know yeah uh so they give the studebaker a paint job but they're like you sure you don't want to come with it and he's like no but let us know if you become rich and famous and we'll exploit you for your success later (laughs) (laughs) it's great uh then love it yeah they uh they meet gonzo and camilla gonzo's driving a truck um yeah he's the prince of plumbers he's the prince of plumbers so i mean you know let's talk about gonzo for a sec i mean he's kind of become a uh a symbol of you know i mean i I feel like our generation is like really glommed on to gonzo more than any other muppet and really seen him as like a yeah i'm i'm whatever that is (laughs) Yeah, he's he's like a non-binary icon. Yes, um, I think. Yeah, a non-binary, uh, non-monogamous icon. I, yeah, I full yeah. I, I firm, firmly believe in the canon that Camilla is just a concept, mm-hmm. and it is just whatever chicken he is he is he's laying with at the time 
bodily <laughs> is is Camilla. Yeah. Um yeah, that's probably true. Uh no, I I uh I love Gonzo. Um it's interesting because uh you know, uh Dave Goals who who uh performs uh Gonzo um was like new to mm-hmm you know, relatively new to this group. He was, he was a young guy and, and had really just kind of joined them. And Gonzo was a pretty new creation, um, in the very early days of, of the Muppet show. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, Gonzo just sort of took off. He was like kind of the Elmo of, of the Muppets. Right. Um, you know, of like, Whoa, what's this guy? Uh, let's put him in everything. Um, you know, I think he kind of made the Muppets click. Uh, yeah. you know, fully, fully clicked together. He was like the last missing piece, um, of the main ensemble, uh, he, that makes the Muppets work. He's good. He kind of has a little bit of animal, a, a little bit of like the anarchic kind of crazy zaniness, but he is mm-hmm. capable as we'll talk about later, like Kermit of being very introspective and very quiet and philosophical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's great. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh but you just reminded me we 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 did skip over one of my favorite bits in the whole movie where during moving right along they run into uh, uh Big Bird who is oh, yeah. hitchhiking to New I'm York. I'm going to I'm going to New York to try to make it on public television. They're like, "Good luck with that." Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love Big Bird a lot. Uh yeah. As a kid I read Carol Spinney, the original Big Bird Muppeteer wrote a book about his time as Big Bird and his tenure as a Muppeteer. Yeah. And that, that I loved that book as a kid and took a lot of personal yeah. inspiration from it. Um, um, there's a great documentary uh, as well. Yeah. Um, about, about Carol Spinney. Somehow I've never watched um, it. Yeah. It's great. It's great. It's heartbreaking. Um, uh, you know, mm-hmm. but it's like, you know, in that good way. I should, I'm uh, on meds right now, so I, I can't cry. So I should probably check it out. Oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Protect yourself. That's good. <laughs> Yeah. Well, let's just watch it and just test it out. Just yeah. test, like just yeah. really, just really push those meds to the limit. Absolutely, you yeah. know. <laughs> I know. I saw. I saw Barbie. I watched Barbie twice, and I was like, "Wow, really? Nothing. Wow, these, these really are kicking in." <laughs> you could do anything, and I couldn't feel a thing. <laughs> anyway, see, you sounded like Ralph just then. Yeah. Um. Oh man. So they. Uh, they go to a used car lot where they meet Sweetums, who is living a life of servitude. God damn it. With a cruel man. That won't even Sweetums. let him. Yeah, Sweetums is great. I, I was watching watching this with, with Bethany. She was unfamiliar with Sweetums. Um, <laughs> and and when Sweetums shows up, she was like, ah, what is that thing? Why is it like, why is it so big? What is this? And it was, she found, she found Sweetums immediately off-putting. It was like he's like he's like a monster or whatever, and literally like you're introduced to him in, in a scene that is like three minutes long, maybe right yeah. at the used car lot, and introduced to him, and she went from ah to him being like, wait, you guys, I want to come with you, to her being like, wait, wait, what? Do- don't leave him. Like, just like, <laughs> Sweetums won her over so fast. That's the power of Sweetums. Oh man, Sweetums is the best. Um. He's yeah. uh he is he is like maybe like the underrated Muppet I think 
Yeah. I feel like he's he's not anyone's favorite Muppet, but he is like like he's like a lot of people's like fifth favorite Muppet, you know? Sure, absolutely. And you in particular, yeah. I've known over the years. I think you do have a soft spot for Sweetums because yeah. he is kind of like the black the shaggy black sheep, you know, of the Muppets where yeah. the joke is that he's never he never gets to be like in the van with everyone else. Right. Right. And he he doesn't get to like perform in the show. He's he's a total like we said earlier. He's a teamster, you know. Yeah. He's in Ihatsi. <laughs> he's a, he's a union man. He's a backstage crew. Oh um, man, I love. And, I don't know how they do it. Yeah. I love the effect of when he just pushes that car by himself. Yes. <laughs> Hell yeah. So oh, yeah, I can't, I can't wait to. I can't wait to see how. I think he's in every single one that we cover on this series, to varying degrees. I don't. I don't know that he's in Christmas Carol. Hmm. Good one. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't remember him being in that one. But he should have been. He yeah. should have been Ghost of Christmas Present. Well, but then we wouldn't get Ghost of Christmas Present. Yeah, and, uh, he's a, that's a great Muppet. He's he's one of the best there ever was. Um, oh, yeah, but yeah, we'll anyway. talk about it. So uh, they go to the county fair where they meet Elliot Gould, and uh, there's actually a lot of cameos at the county fair. Um, yeah. Oh, um, the yeah. Uh, ventriloquist. Yeah, Charlie um, McCarthy. Yeah, he uh, uh, he he died like three weeks after this. Wow. After this. Yeah, um, they they uh, they hit pause on on um, a day of production uh, to go to his funeral. Wow. Um, and uh, and yeah, and, and and be there. And everyone was just like he was the he was he was so great and was like so like with it and in there. And, and so like his death really came as a shock to everybody. Oh, man. It's yeah. it's a really beautiful like kind of passing of the torch moment for mm-hmm. you know Jim Henson as a puppeteer as a student of puppeteering as an entertainment form to have right this guy right uh, yeah they have like a little coffin for Charlie or do you think that was like that would have been in poor taste I I don't know okay. <laughs> I don't know about that um, yeah I'm not sure okay but uh, yeah <laughs> so uh, but we have Bob Hope we have Richard yeah! Pryor Richard Pryor yeah. Selling balloons, yeah. uh, Bob, Bob Bob Hope selling the worst looking ice cream I've ever seen because it just comes out of the of the thing as like already formed. scooped, yeah, yeah, pre pre scooped, um, and and unwrapped, so it's just like sitting in there. That's weird. <laughs> uh, what is it like? Fraud like like flies like ripple? It's 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 uh, dragonfly ripple. Dragonfly ripple. That's what it is. Yeah, because um, it's frog and honey and honey. <laughs> So uh, the big, big, you know, uh, showcase of the county fair, Elliot Gould is hosting the beauty pageant where uh, Miss Piggy wins. And I love the part where she's like, oh, Tina, oh, Mary Sue, like all those are like putting her sash and the crown on. <laughs> yes. Um, I I like the please. Uh, I was going to say the the moment where she lays eyes on Kermit for the first time and has like all those flashbacks. Yeah. Um, they said that this sequence, when they thought of this sequence, mm. it changed piggy forever mm. because it, it, it just like everything about piggy that they had been struggling with the character up to this point, everything clicked at that, in that moment and made sense. And suddenly piggy was a fully fleshed out, like fully thought through character for the very first time. Wow. Uh, which was that like, she has delusions of grandeur. That's her whole thing. Yeah. Um, and as soon as they figured that out, they were like, Oh, now we understand piggy completely. 
uh, which was a huge relief for Frank Oz, um, who found Piggy to be a frustrating character up to this point. Uh, you can kind of you can kind of tell when you go back and watch like early episodes of the Muppet Show on Disney Plus, like yeah, you know she she was they kind of really leaned on like the diva side of her, right, and like yeah the haya of it all, yeah. But, um, also, uh, low key, uh, this movie features uh, the the Muppets like only like like any like sex scene kind of sure like, yeah arguably yeah. Like, 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 Piggy, like, rolls over and then drags him down, like, Kermit down to her. <laughs> and I was just like, holy shit, Whoa. wow. <laughs> uh, I like the joke of when he's, like, like, she's pushing, she's pushing up against him and he's, like, looking around at, like, yeah, his lack of control. He's like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Is uh, this happening? Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I'm not going to put like a blanket statement over like what kind of piggy jokes I like, like Miss Piggy comedy, but I yeah. think it's at its best in moments like this where um, I like how she wins the beauty contest. Yes. And it's not like a surprise to anyone. It's not like even the other beauty con- contestants, they're not like, what the pig? It's like, right. Because in the world of the Muppets and the narrative of the Muppets, she is this like, you know, great beauty diva dame of Hollywood. You know? Yeah, the like the best. Uh, I'm I'm I am going to talk about the be- the piggy jokes that I like the best. Great. Um, I don't like when I don't like when they're fat jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, which has happened a lot during the Disney Plus era. Um, yeah. they're like meaner to Piggy for some reason, mm-hmm. which I've I've never really fully understood why that's their instinct. Um, I don't like the mean jokes about her weight. What I like is, like you said, everyone agrees that she's beautiful. But also there's an extra layer to that joke because she's playing a part in a fictional movie. Right. So yeah. it's almost like Piggy forced them to be like, and then, of course, I win the beauty contest. Okay. And they're like, oh, yeah, sure, yeah, Piggy, oh, of okay, course. Because sure. <laughs> they're afraid of getting like high yacht across the screen. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, so I I love that, but also the speci- the specificity of the pig jokes being she doesn't mind being called a pig because she is a pig, but she doesn't like it when people use the term pig in a in a derogatory fashion. Right. That isn't about her. Like when, uh, when, when oh, uh, oh, oh, uh, Mr. Teeth, Teeth yeah. almost calls almost calls the cop uh, a pig, and she is like, "Watch it," <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I uh, that 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 I love because it reminds me of like <laughs> of like the uh, mute mayhem of like, do uh, not word, use that word. That don't way. use that word that way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's great, but yeah, yeah. I love um, Piggy. I think she's. I think you know she's she's a great she's a great character, but yeah, like kind of unfortunately, there's an opportunity to kind of use you know be like mean, more mean spirited towards her, um, yeah, in ways that other Muppets aren't vulnerable in that way. Yeah, um, but she's as much of a dreamer as everyone else in the Muppets. It's just that um, uh, she's a little more aggressive about it. Yes, yeah. That's that's it. That's that's Piggy, and um, a bit more egotistical and, than like yeah, certainly, certainly Fozzie or Gonzo. Um, yeah, but I I I don't know. I but I also think that that egotistical element is almost like 
her like protecting herself. Right. Um, that's a really get into like the the psychology of. of no, of let's this, do it. We're, that's why we're here. Of this know? puppet, but yeah, I think I think that's what it is. It's like all of that bravado is 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 her protecting herself to be like, no, I do deserve to be here. Yeah. Um. And and I will not allow anyone to say that I don't. Right. Um. And and you know she's gonna she's gonna push her way into every situation and own the room because. What other choice does she have? If she doesn't do that, she's going to be ignored because she's a pig, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's tough to be a pig in show business. And exactly. if you're not yeah. your own biggest defender, like no one else will defend you. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's so, a, I love this piggy. <laughs> it's a crime that Lady Gaga is used so minimally in The Muppets and Muppets Most Wanted because like few performers were made to perform with The Muppets more than Lady Gaga. Oh, man. Yeah. Anyway, there's a lot of people that I I would like to see be with the Muppets more. Yeah. Um, Rami Malek because he yeah. can creep him out. Yeah. I just I don't know. Hello, it's, hello, Miss Piggy. I don't, I don't. I I feel like it's not that hard to like figure out what makes the Muppets work, and I don't know what's going on over there. No, for um, sure. We'll we'll talk about it anyway. So Richard Pryor hands Gonzo some balloons, and uh, yeah. he floats off. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just when you said Richard Pryor, for some reason in my head, I I immediately saw Richard Kind, and I was like, I don't remember Richard Kind being oh, in this movie. Man. And I was like, oh, he said Pryor, Richard Pryor, different person. God, does he show up in any of these? I don't know, but he should. Um, he was built to. He's, he's another very Muppet friendly performer. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I, a, I think he would be great as like Scooter's assistant in yeah. something. Hey, Scooter, it's me, your assistant, Richard Kind. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, uh, you'd be good at yelling at him too. Like some people are really good at being mean to Muppets. That's true. That's true. Um, oh, so man. they catch Gonzo uh, from from flying off. Uh, uh, Hopper almost like shoots Kermit at this point, right? Like with a gun. Yeah, he pulls out a gun, and that's that's when <laughs> that's when Max starts being like, "I don't know about this, man." <laughs> Wait, whoa, dude. <laughs> uh, so. Uh, Kermit treats. This is also when the when the billboard falls on them. The oh, the pie, for cream yeah. pies, yeah. And, and and for some reason, the billboard has a real giant cream pie on Absolutely. it that lands on their car. Um, and Max like even eats some of the cream pie off the car. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how real it is. <laughs> kind of a Max and Billy energy, like early Max and Billy energy. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> kind of like yeah. Uh, so yeah. Kermit treats Miss Piggy to a romantic dinner where uh, I know stiff competition, but maybe like the MVP cameo performance of the movie. Uh, Steve Martin as just like the pissed off, doesn't even want to be here today waiter. Right. Because they're like ordering the cheapest things on the menu. Yeah. <laughs> and so his tip is going to be like minuscule if yeah. he even gets one. Yeah. What is like? Oh, you can go now. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah i just it is uh the 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 magic about steve martin is that you know he looked 50 at 30 yeah and and as a result it's just like he worked in that area forever yeah um arguably still and yeah and and only just now uh you know has after taking like a break from acting for like 15 years mm-hmm. um is he like in elder statesman territory. Right. Where um, he's playing like the grandpa yeah. or like, right. I don't know. I've never seen only murders in the building. So I don't know if they like play with his age a lot in that. 
Yeah, yeah, they do. They do. Because he's like a, he's like a, he was like an old TV actor. And uh, okay. they're making like, they make like a legacy sequel to his show. And he, he's like, and you'll be in a wheelchair because you're old. And he's like, oh, <laughs> I thought it was going to be about me. No, it's going to be about your hot granddaughter with your same last name. And he's like, oh. <laughs> Having never seen the show, I really yeah. think it'd be really a baller move to have like Gonzo or Miss Piggy be in a season of Only Murders in the Building. They would fit right in. Yeah, I get that vibe. Yeah, though no, they like like the, all of the Muppets would fit right into a season of Only Murders in the Building. Um, it is exactly the same like tone as, um, like your uh, like your Thirty you know, like Rock, your, uh, yeah, or or like the like the Seagull Muppet movies. Like it very oh, much okay, feels cool. like yeah, it feels like that kind of vibe for sure. Like. My dream, I think I've told you this before, Scott, is like if I ever became like a Gary Marshall sized <clears throat> like studio movie director, I would really yeah. fight to have like Rolf be a supporting character in a movie, but have it not be remarked upon at all. Oh my god. I mean it would just that would just be incredible. <laughs> uh, another day, amazing. huh? Yeah. Or Gonzo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because oh, like th- that's who they are to me, is they are kind of like <laughs> The kids in the hall, you know, they're like a troop of actors. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, completely. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think our between episode for this miniseries is just going to be us like pitching <laughs> yeah. movie after movie after yeah, movie idea yeah. of like what they should be doing with the Muppets. Yeah, it's um, it's going to be three hours uh, long. Yeah, oh, it'll probably be our longest between episode. I, I have absolutely no doubt um, about that. But uh, yeah. Uh, so Miss Piggy, it's kind of a weird, he kind of like, she kind of like half stands Kermit up because her agent calls. Right. And I remember this, I remember this very clearly, you know, cause Kermit wanders into the saloon and meets Rolf and they play, you know, I hope that something better comes along. And he's like, eh, she, she, you know, she walked out on me, but I'm like, I don't know, man. I think she just took a phone call. Like, why are you being so emo about it? Yeah. Or maybe I'm, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. But uh, it's a uh, it's it's a it's a good it's it's a uh, I don't know. It's yeah. a great song. It's, I mean, it's, it's a great song. It's yeah. a great song. Um, I really do like that Ralph song It's also like impressive because it's because Jim Henson is playing both parts. I thought about that. I was like, how is this? How, is it like ADR? Is there like another puppet has Rolf? Yeah, it has to be or or like a pre-record maybe on set where he like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and then yeah, somebody else has to be performing one of them. I don't. I. I. I He's just I would a man. Assume Ralph because Ralph is playing piano. Right. So maybe it's like, yeah, somebody who can play piano playing Ralph. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I have a big. I have a big soft spot for Ralph. He, he's one of my favorite Muppets. I love that he's kind of like. I mean, he is an OG. If, to go back to yeah. the fifties, you know, he was. I think he even predates Kermit. On yeah. on the Jimmy Dean show. Yeah. He's in. Uh, he, he, I, I think he does. I think you're right. Because he, he, well, because he also did all of those dog food commercials. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But uh. Yeah. And he's 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 in the Muppet Babies. Um, yeah. You know, which is like. Uh, I I remember thinking because Rolf was such a big part of the Muppet Babies. He's mm. part of like the main ensemble of the like Muppet the Babies. Justice League. That when Muppets. I got around to watching the Muppets. And, and the Muppet movies and stuff and, and the show, the Muppet show, um, I was like surprised by how much R- Rolf is not part of the main ensemble. Yeah, um, it's weird. I think because yeah, he's so he's mellow. A supporting guy. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't really have like yeah. a big personality. 
He's just kind of just kind of he's kind of yeah. just chill. It's kind of like Ringo. Yeah, he kind of everyone. I guess everyone who knew Jim said that like Rolf was like the closest to his real personality. Oh, like yeah. how he yeah. like interacted with him every day, which is why right. that script is so boring. <laughs> like yeah, imagine um, a movie starring Rolf. Right. Um. Uh. Not as a supporting character like the one you pitched, but as the main right. character. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just being uh, yeah. I guess. All uh, right. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just being Um, but but yeah everyone everyone says that like like uh rolf was was jim's exterior Mm -hmm. and kermit was his interior was his heart um and and that was that's like where those came and the reason that why he like so that's why he had such a soft spot for rolf because it was like it was like his one that was like the most like himself yeah 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 and we'll get into you know the tragedy of how he kind of does start to seed into the background as these movies go on um mm-hmm. i don't think he even has like lines in some of them um yeah but it's also yeah. weird well i mean they they didn't until like recently i think mm-hmm. um start performing rolf again with a voice yeah because uh, he was jim because before. because of jim because the, because they were like rolf is jim like it's it's not Ker- like kermit kermit was a character um, and it came from his heart. It was who he was on the inside. And uh, and Kermit would say all the things that he always wanted to say, but never had like the courage to say. Yeah. Um, it wasn't as out. It wasn't outgoing enough to say. Mm-hmm. But like Rolf was literally Jim. Yeah. And so for someone else to perform Rolf like felt wrong to A them. Weird. Yeah. Um, That's yeah. totally valid. Yeah. Um, so. So Kermit. <laughs> Steve Martin is like, are you phone call for Kermit the Frog? Are you Kermit the Frog? Yeah. Here, uh, Hopper oh. has captured Miss Piggy and uh, lures Kermit to uh, a trap where they meet uh, maybe my top five humans to ever walk the earth. Mel Brooks, yeah, doing what God put him on this earth to do, which is take the piss out of Germans. Hell yeah, just doing a German accent as like an evil scientist is going to like brainwash Kermit or something or like give him a lobotomy. Yeah. Um, epic fight scene with Miss. Yeah, please. Yeah. Yeah. No epic fight scene with Miss Piggy. Um, there's a lot of like really like complex stuff going on with like the puppetry here where it's like Kermit is, um, picked up by, uh, Mel Brooks's uh, German scientist and put into the machine and then is like puppeted by, like puppeted in the machine, like prior to being picked up mm-hmm. while in the air. Yeah. He's like moving around and then he like sits into the machine and then he's being like puppeted there. Um, and I'm like, I don't, I right? don't know at what point it's Jim. Um, I don't know if it, it, it did. They, did they like teach Mel Brooks how to like move Kermit in a way that he looks alive to like after he picks him up? Like I, I just, it's like magic. I'm like, no, Kermit is alive and he's he's real. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know how else to explain this. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, because like when you're watching the movie, you don't think about that because you're just like in the drama of it. But then you're like, wait, holy shit, this is like kind of a technically really complicated sequence that like, yeah, kind of like washes over you. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know if it's like radio controlled or what's going on there, but it's uh, it's very impressive. Nuts. Uh, and then you know the, that that joke where uh, Piggy gets a call from her agent and just leaves, just bounces. <laughs> yes, it's great. 
Um, then at that point, there's like kind of a weird non sequitur, almost like an act break where the film dissolves. And, uh, like the, the Swedish chef is like, oh, you know, Randy Bernstein, the script, you know, the film brokey. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I love the Swedish chef yeah. so much. <laughs> nothing, nothing can instantly make me laugh than, than the Swedish chef, like, talking about something that isn't like his cooking show like right, or, yeah. or or like the swedish chef chef like showing emotions yeah um, yeah like like oh he's confused or he's like sad <laughs> like melancholy swedish chef is like oh my god uh chef's kiss uh swedish chef kiss hello yeah um, he's great it's the best <laughs> it's the best him and yeah him and him and him and beaker are like two of like the MVPs of like, they're never going to get like a full story, but they're just always like, you know, you, you, you set them up. They're going to, they're going to knock it out of the park. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Absolutely. we get uh, the patriotic part of the movie where <laughs> uh, Fozzie sings America, the beautiful mm-hmm. uh, it makes a patriotic bear's heart swell or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um. They run into Miss Piggy, who's like hitchhiking, and uh, Kermit's like a little mad at her, and she's like, "Okay, every little kissy, kissy." She's like, "No, fuck off!" Like, <laughs> no, you jerk. <laughs> I yeah, and I love that moment where she's like, she's like, "Oh, you're back!" And like, yeah, it's like yeah. <laughs> going over there with the big suitcase oh, and everything, yeah. and and everyone's like, "Should we like Can we should, help her with somebody the bag? help her with the suitcase?" And they're like, "No." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> great <laughs> and uh then they drive the car breaks down and uh we get one of the more melancholy songs in the muppet soundtrack uh gonzo sings uh i'm going to go back there someday which kind of like rainbow connection features very sort of esoteric lyrics about you know yearning for a place that you haven't gone to yet or feeling out of place and kind of what I mentioned, which is like Gonzo can, you know, he can go big and blow himself out of a cannon. But the fact that he can also go very small and quiet and human is, you know, it's moments like that, I think, speak to Jim Henson's ambitions of like, no, puppets can do anything. Like they can make you feel any kind of emotion, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's uh, this song um, was also uh, I think the really interesting thing about this was that like this was not a planned song Mm. at all um you know they had worked out the structure of 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 the script and um you know paul wrote the songs that everyone agreed on and then um there was just something about gonzo as a character just like it is now right (laughs) um that paul had felt a kinship with and wrote this gonzo song um and no one expected it uh least of all um least of all uh, Dave Goles mm-hmm. who again like i said was kind of brand new to the muppet troupe and so the the fact that he got to sing his character his original character gonzo got to sing a song in the muppet movie and he'd only been with them like since the start of the muppet show like 2 years earlier mm-hmm. um he was like i i can't believe i'm doing this this is this is crazy and then he was so embarrassed because he was so happy that he was getting the song, but he was like, I, I, I'm really sorry you guys, but like, I can't sing the song 
um i this is in paul williams key and like yeah. not in gonzo's key like i can't i can't sing it like this and so they had to literally go back to the studio and re-record the song wow in another key for him to sing it and he was like that when they were willing to do that i knew that i was in the group forever like i i i was like oh, okay i'm never leaving i'm never going to stop playing gonzo and he still hasn't yeah you can hear it yeah it's great yeah well I mean, no, like in a good way. It's kind of like it's admirable when you can hear like the age in a, but like it's right. impossible to imagine another Gonzo. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, and I think yeah, no, it's 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 another beautiful song, and it's one that you don't hear people talk about a lot. Yeah, well, it's so melancholy. Like it is. Sometimes I think it's about death, like returning to a place. I'm going to go back there someday. You know, like yeah. the place that we've all come from and will return to, you know, the dirt. Uh, yeah. Uh, he um, He's aged beautifully, though. I think, his performance as the character. Like, yeah, I think so, too. And, I, and you know, and I and, and I know one day we'll have another voice and it'll be uh, a little jarring. But, mm-hmm. you know, there's also <laughs> there's also just this thing where this, this thing where, um, you know, I watch Muppet Babies and none of the original Right. Voices voice those characters. Yeah. And, you know, Frank Welker to me is as much of Kermit the Frog in my brain as right. as uh, Jim and Steve, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not opposed to other voices. It's, you know, we'll get another one. But, Hello, uh, Rizzo. It's me, Gonzo. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I fuck chickens. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, so uh, yeah. all hope seems lost. Kermit has this beautiful reflective moment in the desert where he's kind of like where he resents the disappointment that he feels everyone else is like, oh, like I led these these people out on a wild goose chase to fame and glory and I've let them all down. But, you know, why were they even following me? Like, I never promised them anything like mm-hmm. I never said anything. I, I'm just a frog. And. He's, he has this conversation with himself and he's like, I don't think they're, you know, they're here because they want to be. They're not here because you tricked them. Like, you don't, you don't know, you know, like, you're fine, dude. And Kermit has this moment of clarity where he's like, I guess I did promise somebody. I, I promised myself. Which is this really profound line that really, it resonates with me even more as an adult than it did as a kid because i think every maybe not even every creative person but like and anyone kind of living a life you know makes these promises to themselves of like the life they want to try and make when they're children and has this moment have their moment in the desert where they're like am i falling short or what is keeping me going on this this crazy journey that i've i've set myself on yeah 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 uh man yeah, the Muppets. The Muppets, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but thankfully, Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem come to the rescue with their crazy van. And uh, they're driving along. Max, Doc Hopper's assistant, shows up disguised as a highway patrolman to uh, warn Kermit that Doc Hopper is hired like a frog killer. Right, a frog assassin. A frog assassin. <laughs> <laughs> and Kermit's like, you know yeah. what? Like... I can't keep doing this. Like I can't just keep. I can't spend my whole life running from a bully. You tell Doc Hopper, 
we're going to meet at this like Wild West abandoned town and we're going to square off. All right. Knock if you buck. Let's do this. And uh, they go to the town. They meet uh, Honey Benson, Honeydew and Beaker that are living in this Western town doing their experiments. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think I think I've yet to hear anybody say that they don't like Benson and Honeydew. Oh yeah, no. I mean, or, they're, they're Honeydew and Beaker. Yeah, Honey. honey uh, yeah, Honey. Honeydew and Beaker are like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, yeah, they're like quintessential. Uh, you know, they're they're up there with like, um, you know, uh, uh, Sattler and Waldorf. You know, right. um, in terms of just like great. You know, character combos like uh, duos, yeah, um, sure. Gonzo and Rizzo. Um, yeah. You know, it's uh, uh, yeah, they're just perfect. They're perfect. Uh, they're perfect combos. Kind of what you said about uh, <coughs> uh, that doesn't happen as much as you think it does. Um, <laughs> uh, going back to what you said about Swedish Chef, um, Speaker. Anytime Beaker displays emotions like mm-hmm. sadness or regret, it's like the funniest thing in the world. It's so good. <laughs> there's there's like something so funny about about uh characters that can't express themselves with real language expressing like deeply held emotions. Yeah. Um and 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 just you know, through like just sounds yeah. essentially. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, because at the moment where they're like oh, so they create they're working on this thing, they make stuff large but only temporary. Um right. So Thank Kermit God for that. Yeah. <laughs> so Kermit uh, puts on little boots and a cowboy hat and squares off against Doc Hopper and his team of frog killers. Uh, great shot. Iconic shot. Um, and he kind of has a little monologue of like, hey, you know what, man? Like, look at yourself. Like, <laughs> think about what you're doing, man. Like, I make I make people happy. And like, I found these friends and like. When you when you have a dream, like your dream is to eat my legs or like <laughs> like who is that helping? Who are you sharing that dream with? Like, look at look at my crew. Look at my family. Like my dream is which is, uh, you know, something that I, I, I take per- great personal inspiration from to go back to Jim Henson's memorial service. There's that part in that you know, televised thing that, that the memorial service where uh, they all sing this song. Uh, if just one person, which is yeah. kind of like in the Muppet catalog, like, you know, if just one person believes in you big enough, then two people and then three people. And if four whole people, why not more and more? And then all the performers come holding up a Muppet. And before you know it, there's like this crowd of dozens of people singing, you know, eulogizing this guy. And yeah, that kind of really imprinted on my soul is the idea of like a dream is only worth something if it can connect and build with other people and make them feel bigger and them feel like they can do more. And that's how you know that you're really cooking with gas. And yeah, I think philosophically that really impacted both of us and like the creative lives that we want to live. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, couldn't have said it better than myself. Uh, oh, I don't really have anything <laughs> yeah. to add to that because you're exactly right, a hundred percent. But that being said, like the joke of like, so you know, if you don't want to do that, you could just you could just shoot me, man. Just just kill me right now. And Doc Hopper's like, all right, 
kill him. <laughs> and then a part of the movie, because like, I haven't seen this in years and years, did not remember this at all. And I was <laughs> delighted, amazed <laughs> when like giant animal comes bursting through the roof. 60 foot tall uh, animal muppet. A 60 foot tall animal muppet. Yeah. I can't believe this movie. One of, yeah. One of the one of the one of the movie's biggest expenses is this animal <laughs> muppet. It's like in 5 seconds of the movie. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. No, it's magical. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh yeah, so he scares them away and that's the end of Doc Hopper. Um <laughs> Oh man, it's a big one. <laughs> oh shit. Let's get out of here. I don't know they can get that big. <laughs> that one's out of control. <laughs> He's an animal. <laughs> uh so they make it to Hollywood. They uh they go to uh a- Oh, oh Animal is another one that when he has oh, emotions, yeah. you're like, it's so funny. Yeah. Um, when his little <laughs> when his little eyes kind of go half down, you know? Yeah, and he just like mumbles something <laughs> to himself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That animal's great. Uh, uh, so they go to Hollywood. They go to the office of Worldwide Studios. They uh, they uh, attack that woman with uh, animal fur and co- cause her to have an allergic reaction. Yeah, and uh, probably probably one of the darkest moves uh, you know yeah the, the Muppets have ever done. I think so. Uh, honestly, yeah, for them it's pretty yeah pretty dark. So certainly one of the most aggressive. Like outside of like. Piggy, like, like straight up, like you know, uh, karate chopping um, some fools. Right. Uh, it's probably one of the most aggressive moves that they've ever done. Uh, kidnapping Jack Black is up there, I think. Yeah, that's Short. true. That's uh, true. Their heart was in the right place, though. No, for sure. Yeah, they're trying to save the theater or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, they meet the president of Worldwide Studios, and it's none other than uh, another living Muppet, Orson Welles. Yeah. He was. I think he was in his fifties at this point. This was kind of in his uh, his like wine commercial era, right? Right, right. Yeah, um, yeah. He just sort of become like a celebrity figure in the seventies. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, uh, looking great, honestly. Absolutely. Um, yeah, looking great, and uh, I think uh, turns in a very like earnest, like perfectly. Um, perfectly like performed yeah. uh, uh, role here um, where, you know, he's just he's taken all of this as serious as a boxer, you know, like just yeah. super serious. Because like when when uh, when he says, um, uh, you know, get the get the, the standard rich and famous contract, like he just says it like it's a real thing, you know, like yeah. it's not. A joke. Uh, yeah. Like, it could, he could have easily, like, this could have easily been Steve Martin, and he'd be like, oh, can you please just get the a standard rich and famous yeah. contract? <laughs> like, just go yeah. completely, like, play it. Like, like, what do you think this is, you idiots? Yeah, um, yeah. You know? Uh, but no, he just is like, yeah, just go get the standard rich, rich and famous contract, because this is happening. Prepare the rich um, and famous contract for Kermit the Frog yeah. and his friends. Oh, it's the best. Because you kind of get like he's taking them in and somehow can sense like I can make some money off these guys. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Do you think that was this can sell sausage? Was this his last like major role, like most memorable role? 
Well, he famously provided the voice of Unicron in the Transformers movie. Of course. In the 80s. From his deathbed, I from, believe. From his deathbed. Right before the end. He was like, get me a microphone. <laughs> I have to play Unicron. Oh, no. These horrible toys. I don't know. When, when, did, he, when did he pass? Passed in 85. Wow. Um, at the age of 70. Wow. Uh, so he would have been, I guess, I guess, yeah. So he passed like six years later. Okay. Um, so he would have been like in his 60s at this point. Crazy. He actually looks pretty great for, for 1979, like 65. Right. I mean, yeah, to be like less than a decade away from the grave. You know, he's, yeah. still, he's still looking good. That's uh, honestly like kind of impressive. Yeah. Um, Wine and cigars. That'll do it. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly will. Um, uh, I'm trying to see if there was anything sure, super notable, notable um, in his career after this uh, filmography. Let me see here. Um, yeah, no, because he did. I guess he was in. He directed uh, like a. Well, no, because that was a posth- posthumous release. That Don Quixote movie right. he did. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I feel like the last thing that he was kind of in was, uh, you know, that um, his uh, Finding Othello. That was like a documentary. So, yeah, he was like doing documentary and commercials and stuff. Yeah. Let me see acting. Um, I guess he was still. Yeah, he did a lot of voiceover. He was doing like narrator stuff. Well, yeah, he could do it from um, his bathtub. Yeah. Uh, like he was the narrator of History of the World Part One. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, doing a lot of narrator voiceover stuff. Um, Not a lot of like acting roles. Yeah, I would. I would. I'm looking at what he's done. He did after this. I think it's safe to say this is his last like memorable on screen role. Well, it's, it's a heck of a way to go out kind of playing like the king of Hollywood in a way, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's great. It's so really great. we, as we, as we discussed at the beginning of the episode, we get a really beautiful reprise of rainbow connection. Uh, life's like a movie, write your own ending. Keep believing, keep pretending we did just what we set out to do. Here's to the lovers, the dreamers and you. Um, yeah, you know, and, and not to just keep harping on, on rainbow connection and yeah. the, the, the incredible nature of, of, this song in general, but also like the meaning that it has to the movie and, and outside of the movie and the Muppets in general. But like, what is a rainbow but a collection of, of completely different, separate colors mm-hmm. coming together to make something? Yeah, absolutely. Like, yes. Ugh, like that's <laughs> so fucking good. It's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. Um, Fucking god damn it. Rainbow and, Connection, man. And, you know, there's a reason that the rainbow has, you know, in the 21st century become sort of a symbol for, like, you know, LGBTQ existence and culture. Because, like what you just said, right. it is a bunch of different experiences and a diaspora of, like, different, like, kinds of people, like, that exist together and are greater because of the whole. Right. And that's, like, so... I think, you know, there's also kind of... Like the Pee Wee Herman of it all, the the Muppets. There is all as, as earnest and as 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 soft and sweet and cuddly as they are. There's also that kind of quiet subversion 
and yeah. rebelliousness to, you know, bigotry and fascism, which is like, no, everything has to just be one thing. Yeah. There is one way to experience life and one way to be a, a person. And anything that kicks that or bucks that is, I guess, woke is now the, the become the parlance of, of, right. of those today bigots, but right. You know, <laughs> Yeah. Like, it's yeah. just another form of union busting. Yeah. And you know who hates union busting? Sweetums. <laughs> so much so that he rips through that screen. Hey! Ready yeah. to wreck some fools. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's great. And then, yeah, the movie just kind of ends with them all just like kind of like shooting the shit. Yeah. Um, over the credits, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is really nice. Um, and Animal's like, go home. Yeah, it's I mean, it's just it's a great movie. Uh, yeah. You know, I think that there are better Muppet movies, um, but it's a great it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 you know, it's it's I don't love the Doc Hopper stuff personally. Sure. Um, and like the frog legs and all of that. Yeah. I, I I feel like it's a little bit of a one note joke that that they just like yeah. <laughs> just keep it going through yeah. the whole movie, you know. Um, and uh, I also I, I don't know. There's a part of me that doesn't love it when they bring attention to the fact that they're animals mm, okay. because of how different they look from real animals. Right. Um, but uh, I don't know. Whatever. No. Um, yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how te- how we compare how what you think of like, you know, Tex Richmond or like, you know, other mm-hmm. other Muppet baddies and how they kind of. Yeah. Charles Grodin. Charles. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Uh, no, this is, this is great. And it's a, it, 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 the movie, um, the real meat of the movie being, you know, the, the, the road movie and, and Mm -hmm. the, the Muppets coming together. Um, that is like just so meaningful and, um, wonderful. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, I'm never, I'm never going to get enough of that stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just I, I I love this movie, um, and I'm excited to start our Muppet journey now um, through the rest of this filmography. Right. Uh, next week, I believe, is the Great Muppet Caper. Hmm. Directed by Jim Henson. Wow. So, yeah. Exciting. So, um, uh... And that's that's the I'm I'm excited to talk about that one. That is the one that I watched the most as a kid. Interesting. Yeah. Scott. I'm yep. a. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna drop this bomb on you. Oh, I've never seen the Great Muppet Caper. Wow, yeah, that is the one that I have watched the most. There are um, sounds and shots and things in that movie that like spark things in my brain um, because they're so like they were like there when it was forming. You right? Know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, Um, like the like, you know, similar to like the cards being like uh, the card catalogs uh, being like spat out at the beginning of Ghostbusters. Right. Just that that sound is in your head, in your brain. That sound like it it, 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 like, yeah, it does something to my brain because it's just it's in there. Mm -hmm. Um, It was there. You know, it's been there since it was formed. And and that sound will never leave my brain. And there's there's sounds in Great Muppet Caper that are like that uh, to me. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm excited, uh, to talk about that next week. Uh, it's, uh, it's a fun one. Um, it's a caper. It's a caper. Uh, I love capers. I love Muppets. Yeah. 
And and uh, it takes place in England. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Um, more Mupp- so more more Muppets more Muppet stuff should take place in England. I think. I think they kind of tend to live in Hollywood a lot. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, because especially because if you consider that you know the the how much yeah England has to do with the Muppets because all of the Muppet Show was filmed in England. Absolutely. And like so, you know, like yeah, that's a big big connection to have. Yeah, they go to when they go to London in Muppets Most Wanted. I think a little bit. I assume. I think they do. Yeah, because that's where they find Piggy, right? Right. Yeah. I don't know. I only. I've only she like running. Isn't she like like Devil Wears Prada in 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 England or something? I think that's what she's doing in the Muppets. Oh, that's the first Muppets. Because oh, Rashida okay. Jones is her secretary. I think. I thought I thought it was literally Emily Blunt. Oh, I think you're right. It is Emily Blunt. Okay, Rashida Jones yeah. does something else in that movie. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I literally think her assistant is Emily Blunt, and the joke is that it's Devil Wear Pro- Royce Prada. Amazing. Um, Gosh. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't but, seen either uh, of those movies in a long time. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, next week, uh, Great Muppet Caper. Uh, can't wait. Um, we'll have our first guest next week as well, yeah. uh, if all things go to plan. And um, yeah, can't wait. Uh, we got a long journey with the Muppets ahead of us. Um, and, uh, yeah, glad it's finally happening. Here we go. Uh, thanks for listening and we'll see you next week with the great Muppet Caper. Bye-bye. Someday we'll find it, the rainbow connection, the lovers, the dreamers.